Darlings, welcome to episode 468 of Conversation Street, the Coronation Street spoiler free podcast with me, Gemma, and me, Michael. I was to see you I know, so waiting, I'm waiting. Not, to... I'm just gonna, is that, is that your thing now for a little bit? Is it? Yeah, I know you've done that's it before. My, um, that's now my gimmick. Mm. It's my gimmick. I like it. What's your gimmick? Still We've trying to figure trying... it out. Exactly. This is episode 468. We haven't even got a catchphrase. Yeah. All the other podcasts got catchphrases and stick them on it. We need to sell t-shirts! What are we talking about today, Gemma? <laughs> Which episode's Coronation Street? This week's Coronation Street. Um, the episode's broadcast between the 26th and the 30th of April 2021. Episodes 10,309. Yes. Oh, do you know what? I've suddenly run out of energy. To 10,314, which was the ones that was on today. How do you how? I mean, great, yeah. So <laughs> the tyrant week in our household. Lots. Of... I'm done. I'm done with it. I'm done with everything. Gemma has been very, very good this no, week. I and hate she's been everyone. doing lots of house moving things <laughs> and organising buildings, surveys, and I don't form, like filling in forms and stuff. Uh, it's uh, and uh, this she deserves a round me. of applause. That's me. Um, this reminds me of when I used to work at a building company. Why? All the building stuff. Oh. What the hell are you talking about? Oh, I get it. I used to work in a building company. I was employed as a temporary administrator. When I came in, they spent the first half of the day looking at me so suspiciously, and I didn't understand why until I asked them what had happened to the person before me. And it turned out they'd spent the last five years stealing a million pounds off of them. And I was like, don't you need to worry about me. I don't know how to steal a million pounds. I didn't say I wouldn't or anything reassuring like that. I said, I don't know how to steal money. You don't need to worry about me. <laughs> So was, was that Eileen? Because I know that she does like a bit She of, is a bit of a tea leaf, isn't she? A bit she? of a tea leaf from the old builders, yeah. No, it was a man. Yeah. Um, so, that's my little story of the day. You got one? Um, yeah, I went. I took children swimming today at school. And it also turned out that I'd filled in part of a form wrong. Um, now, this is my worst nightmare because we're doing a lot of this form filling. But it's recently. okay. Because I thought I'd finished organising the swimming, which has taken very, 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 very very long time to organise but now I've just got a little bit more organisation to do to try and correct the form filling screw up that I did you, d- you did a wrong fine. number didn't you all fine I got to sit next to a swimming pool for about 40 minutes today <sighs> I like the smell of chlorine yeah it was nice it's the first time I've been, been in a swimming pool for ages yeah it's nice isn't it have you got a quiz for me we, I do should we We've get cracking with today's that episode the episodes broadcast in years ending in a one and a six uh huh between the 26th and the 30th of April. I knew you would. Is it an easy quiz? I need an easy quiz you this week, Gemma. You made me said you needed an easy quiz. I've tried my best. Because I did not done so well these last few weeks. I cannot be held responsible for your form filling or I've had, your coronation. I've had listeners com- uh, colour, commenting on my have terrible you? performance. I have. I have. Somebody's <laughs> dead. So, Michael, you didn't rubbish in the quiz. I thought you said somebody's dead. They're so, they were so surprised at how badly you did. So I need to make it up clear. to that person now. This was taken from coronationstreet.fandom.com. Shall I give you the first question? Yes. God, right, I'm you nervous. need to pay attention. Okay, I'm looking. It's not I'm necessarily listening. a Coronation Street I'm question. I'm going to smell the question. You're not even listening to my advice. Not a Coronation Street question? Listen to the question. On the 26th of April 1971, okay... Albert annoys everyone by complaining 
about which government survey that Billy warns him will cost him £50 if he doesn't complete. A survey? Think really carefully about what I just said and the date. 1971? Yeah. A government... With a fine, if you don't do it. People might like to moan about it. A census? Yes, it's the census. Census, the census, view. Right, so the census takes place every... How, I don't 50 even, years. Is it 10? I, oh, I don't no, know. I think it's every 10 years. Well, that was 50 years ago. Um, no, it's not every 50 years. No. Um, silly. The current fine in the UK is £1,000 if you don't follow your form out. But back in the 1971, £50 was £722.75. So we've been increased. The fines have been increased. It's awful. <laughs> and also you have a criminal record if you don't fill it out now. But at least we don't have to uh, go, go to the town of our birth and sleep in a, a, in a stable. Yeah. Well, so it's, also, it's there are more questions now than there were before. So I feel like... And more options to choose from. Yeah, and only recently, I think it's 2001, is, is when they first began to ask people about their religion. Because really? back in 1971, it's like, you're a Christian, aren't you? Obviously. You're a good Christian woman. <laughs> right, come on, then let's go. Next question, I'm on a roll. I know a, you are. one question. You get so eager to continue, yeah. and you hold me up by demanding me to carry on. That I would have already been asking you the question if you hadn't just chivied me My along like that. My lips are sealed. I'm a stubborn person. I don't like to be told what to do. <laughs> 26th of April, 1991. Alf. Right, listen. I'm listening. Alf appears on Radio Weatherfield's Shop Talk programme to talk about the grocery trade in his capacity as president of which organisation? Warts. Yeah. Weatherfield Association of Retail Traders. I'm assuming. I think that's what that stands for. I didn't look it up. Good. Twenty sixth of April, two thousand and six. After receiving a slew of distressing cards, who does Gail think she sees getting out of a taxi? Richard Hillman. And why is that impossible? Because he's dead. Yeah. See, there's the easy questions for you this time. Thank you. Twenty seventh of April, nineteen sixty six. After suffering a period. Sixty six. Nineteen sixty six. Okay. After suffering a period of depression, who was stopped outside the Pickersnip supermarket, having not paid for some of the items they're leaving with? Ina Sharples. Yeah. Can of Spam. <laughs> oh, I love a nice can of Spam. We had some really nice um, Spam in that Korean food the other week, didn't I we? I made Korean Korean stew. hot pot or something. Yeah, Korean, Korean stew. stew. It's just potatoes, onions, spam. Funny Korean spice and Spam. Yeah, that, that gucharang and... The miso paste and the and the probably not what Ina was planning for it. I don't think she'd like that funny foreign muck. It's not just spam, onions and potatoes. There's lots of other things. Twenty seventh of April two thousand and one. Peter frightens Toya with his enthusiasm to show her the results of a test. What was it? The I didn't rape you test. (laughs) What kind of test would you do to to prove that? Do you think? Um, it's not like they went, oh, hook you up to a thing. Lie detector test? No, no, no. Um, My, the, the audience couldn't see me give you <laughs> the most filthy, disgusted look. What then. test would Peter have done? Not a toy to get pregnant. This is not a paternity test. What other test can you have? Sobriety? I can only give, Drunk test? No, I can only give you half a mark. I'm really disgusted. What is it? DNA test. DNA test. Dummy. What? 
Oh, yeah, I suppose that would make sense. Yeah, it's nice you don't have to worry about these kind of things, Michael. 27th of April, 2016. Arlene worries as Jason is so upset in grief that he can't even eat. Whose death has affected him so badly? What date? 2016. Tony Stewart. His yep. dad. His dead dad. His dad who piled up the the, uh, the tea bags. Do you remember? Like we've got. Well, yeah, he's, he's just like Tony. Nice Went around his flat and Tony and, and Jan, Jason was like, I also pile up my tea bags in a nice oh, towel. Oh, it's genetic. DNA test, we'll just sort that out. Yeah. 28th of April, you get Abby, it's pairing. 28th of April, 1986, Ada Arrowsmith leaves Hilda some items in her will, including three dining room chairs, a drop leaf table, an oak bureau, and what else? An animal that is. Mm hmm. A cat. Yeah. Do you know what the name of the cat is? No. Rommel. I was going to say Rommel. No, that was in my head. So that was in my head. Every it was. Episode. Listeners, oh, has he or does he not? That was often. I should have said it. I would have thought you were telling me the answer all along. And he just I thought you were just giving me a filthy look again if I'd said Rommel and it was wrong. I'll oh. give you a filthy look. Well, that wasn't part right. of the question. It was. Oh no. <laughs> 28th of April, 2006. Les and Scylla invite a social worker around to discuss the adoption of which character? Chesney. Yeah. Oh, a little Chesney. Hello, everyone. 28th of April, 2011. Who reports Sheen and Graham's wedding to the UK border agency? <sighs> Norris. So close, it was Mary. Oh. What a bitch. <laughs> 29th of April, 1981. Why did Muriel Fielding wreck Elsie Tanner's home? I don't know. I don't know. I can't even... Couldn't even... Muriel Fielding in 1981 wrecked Elsie Tanner's home. Mm. Why did she do it? I don't... Why? Why did she? Did she think she? that she was having it off with her husband or something? Why would she think that? Um, because Elsie Tanner is a Weatherfield Town bike. She's a good time girl, I, I mean. I can't accept this answer. I oh, go on then. The answer was... She was having it off with her husband. Oh. I tried to get you to answer. Well, did I not get any points from that? You didn't get any points because I said... You said, you why said, did she complain? And yeah, I said she said thought she was having it off with her husband. She thought that Elsie was having an affair. And came, That's a point, implying, everybody. Implying that she actually thought something was I was, was true. making no such no, implication. I, I asked you specifically. I said, why would she think that? And you said, because That's of Elsie's bad reputation... Indicating that you also did not believe that she was having an affair. I, I, I gave you half a You're point. Inferring. I gave you half a point for saying that a cat without saying the cat's name. If I'd have known that the cat's name was part of the question, I might have said Rommel. I thought that was just a little bonus. I'm mark. not interested in any more excuses. Okay. Tell next, you what, next, here's that next. guy that does um, Mastermind. He didn't get this nonsense off his bloody. Go on then. Does he? Go on then. Just, so yes or no. 29th of April, 2001. Norris reminds everyone to complete which form that he nearly forgets to fill out himself. Census. Yeah. Yeah. So you get so many easy ones and you bitch and moan about the ones that you don't get right. Wouldn't have been easy if I hadn't had the other question before. Here is a question that you should know the answer to because you've had weeks to look this up. Toya rape. 30th of April, 2001. Toya finally recognises the voice of her (laughs) rapist when oh, he comes over God, to I see don't her. No, I don't know who what raped is Toya. His name I don't know. And who rescues Toya from him? The Masked Python. No. Sam. <laughs> Jason. <laughs> Jason. No. 
No, it was Tyrone. Peter. It was Peter. Peter. It's Peter. I knew it was Peter. You got because Peter. he had a DNA test. <laughs> he had a lie detector test. <laughs> I didn't look up that story. I told you before. I said I, I, I consider to... that cheating. <laughs> You're rising before a test. Right, nine and a half out of. You got well, four it's wrong. Be- better than last time. Last better than last few times. Fine. I can't just let you walk all over me like this. <laughs> You've let Safi walk all over you and sit Abby. down in your lap Safi. midway through the quiz. Safi's dead. Did I say Safi? Yeah, this is Abby. Oh, Safi. No, oh. that's Abby. Oh, I know it is. I'm just remembering our old podcasting cat. We've got some listeners that still remember Safi. I know. You've just made them all sad. Really right, sad. birthday time. <laughs> It's birthday uh, time. Yeah, that makes me happy. 3rd of May. Tommy Boyle, who was played, he played Phil Jennings. Tommy Boyle's a really good... Is that not the, the character's name? Phil Jennings is the character. Tommy Boyle sounds made up. <laughs> 4th of May. Lucy Joe Hudson, he played Katie Harris. 5th of May. Bill Ward, he played Charlie Stubbs. And Julie Foy, he played Gina Seven the First. 6th of May, Susan Brown, who played Connie Clayton and Joseph Aston of the Aston Dynasty, played Tom, Tommy Duckworth II. And we missed a birthday last week because we didn't know about it. It was Harriet Bibby's birthday. It was Harriet Bibby. So New she's summer. been entered into the database and we will remind her it is her birthday in good time next year, at least one day's notice. Happy birthday to all those people. <laughs> Happy birthday to everybody whose birthday in was advance, slash this in... week. Um, retired. And next week. Let's do I want to talk about oh this week's curry then. You can tell that we've got no brain power left. It's going to come back. It's going to come back. It's fine. Let's try it. Let's do sweet talk now. Okay, then let's get cracking with today's street talk. And uh, what are we talking about? There's lots of merging stories this week, which is always quite fun when it happens. As a viewer, as a podcaster, it makes things a little difficult to get the stories old kind of merging nicely together and separated out into different things to chat about but I've done my best we're going to start off with definitely the main story the biggest talking point of the week which was Sharon confidential information <laughs> that is Gemma's tired chuckle for anyone who's Sharon. listening Gem- Sharon confidential information both Sam and Simon were responsible for this this week um, it wasn't and- even Sharon's fault well, it wasn't she's been trying her hardest um, to get to share it. Yeah, to, yeah, and um, well, she's she's getting closer, isn't she? Getting closer, and I think Jenny is getting closer as well to finding out the truth about naughty Mrs. Bentley. Um, then we also stick in there the um the the Peter storyline, the uh, the stand and delivered storyline, which we started uh, last week, and you know, then we have got the Starkey and George story, which I quite enjoyed. Um, then we have got the rutting ties slash Abley married. I kind of com- combine those two as well. Did we call it Abley married or did we call it Abby ever after? It. Yeah. Was it that? Okay, yeah. fine. Um, I got another great. You know, we had last week we had the Korash bang wallop story. This week they're Korashing at Leanne's old place. So that's what I'm going to call this storyline. And then we have got a oh, bit damn. of <laughs> seven Nina Budding. Gemma's just happy for me to solo this podcast today, you isn't, aren't you? It all out. I'm just gonna. Listen. I'm not. I'm not because I I need to I need somebody to bounce off of this week. I think I think we're both oh. feeling feeling the burn after a whole week. But it's a three day weekend this week, everyone. It's Bank Holiday Monday. Hurrah! In other countries, it is for us. We got a Bank Holiday. We got <laughs> we a May Day. What you're doing? But it also means that we need to buy my dad a birthday present because it's my dad's birthday on Wednesday. Right. Oh God. I assume you would like me to take the uh, the lion's share and start off with the Sharon confidential information storyline. 
Feel free. I will be. I'll freely talk about this because I pretty much enjoyed it. So Sharon on Monday has a bit of an early morning bonding sesh with Jenny about how she's settling in. Jenny over the course of the week kind of is to and fro about whether she should believe Sharon or not. And I'm like, I was willing her through the TV not to fall for her lies. I like this. But by on Monday, Jenny's yeah trying to you know keep things you know settled and smooth with her with her foster sister-in-law or whatever and she says right i'm gonna try Shannon's sharon is gonna try and keep up with some old acquaintances today aka gail and sally remember sally had been sharon's best friend for about an eight month period back in 1999 so it's time they had a bit of a catch-up and a chinwag sharon gets all the 21st century goss what she missed since the turn of the millennium and she seems especially a copy of the coronation street 60th anniversary book she should get that shouldn't she sharon seems especially interested in catching up with leanne (laughs) the the woman who um they didn't part on best terms let's say 21 years ago what's the history well leanne was the 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 uh, cabin girl. What was the word? The, the behind the counter at the cabin um, where Sharon became the boss of, and then they both rubbed each other the wrong way, basically, and Leanne quit. So things weren't weren't too great between those two back when they last met. Gail is keeping quiet, of course, about where Sh- um, about where Leanne is because she's on the run doing her old witness protecting. She just says Leanne is away. She doesn't want to be contacted. Gail ends up leaving um, midway through this conversation and reminds Sally that she needs to get back to work. So Gail, hooray, she didn't, she didn't, I don't think, go slip once into buffoon Gail territory this week. So I was pretty pleased by that. Sharon, on the other hand, ends the conversation looking fairly narked. Um, she starts pretending um, that she's, later that she's not happy that Rita's been left on her own um, in, in the cabin, I think. Actually, I can't remember what happened here. She, I, d- I don't know what's going on at this point, but she is very intrigued to meet Peter because he's Leanne's ex. This, this is, yeah, this is in the, in the cabin later. She tries to get him to go um, and have a drink and a chat with her, but he's not playing game. He's, he says, oh, I don't think we're messes with like this. Game. It's not, it's not playing ball. Not playing ball. You think you look, literally I can't do- think of any ball games. Like, it's just they're not playing game. Yeah, not playing ball. Not playing ball. Not playing any of your I'm ball I'm glad games. that you're listening. Gemma's now lying here. Her glasses are off. up to criticise Her head is on a pillow. Her eyes are closed. I'm, I'm, I'm flying I'm solo here, everybody. Sorry, I apologise. I know Gemma is the most exciting person to listen to on this podcast. <laughs> Not. Gemma's the funny one. No, I'm not. I you just get us through. I carry us through this by saying what's happening. So Sharon, do we discuss the dead baby later on? This is this is this is um, twist, Gemma. Sharon goes to the prison. What's she going there for? But only to visit her favourite nephew, Harvey. That's right. Harvey is Sharon's nephew. Who'd have thought it? What Some there? people guessed it. Some people were close. We'll I... talk more about that later. But that's a big twist. She she ba- she spends basically the first half of um, the first of Monday's episodes acting couldn't act any more suspicious if she tried basically. Um, but it, so I'm glad it didn't take too long to find out exactly what it is that has brought her back to Weatherfield and it ain't a Golden Heart Award. She is clearly terrified of Harvey, um, who turns out to be she he's the son of her brother Wayne but she is terrified because he's a massive drugs lord and she promises like I'm working on Gail I'm she trying to find like Leanne drugs. but she doesn't like it, does it well she's probably quite a fan of the old chemo drug do you believe that yes I think I do believe that she I don't I think she's lying do you 
I don't know, because, I mean, I've seen... Well, look, spoiler alert, everyone. I mean, no, it's not even a spoiler, because I think I put it back on Twitter, actually. I did go on a Zoom call with Tracy Bennett and other members of the press. Um, when was it? Two weeks ago or something? Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll talk more about that later. But when, but um, Tracy did say, yeah, she's, a, she's gone through cancer. I don't think she was... She didn't make out that she's... she's um, pretend or anything but I don't know maybe that's a future development that she didn't actually have cancer she said she like she cut her hair short and um she 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 dyed it blo- uh, dyed it white to kind of make it kind of post-cancer she said like you know post-cancer hair is kind of a bit what can grow back white and a bit coarse so she's really uh living the role here anyway I'll talk more about that later so um she's work she's terrified of her nephew and is saying I'll oh, get Leanne I promise just gotta give me a little bit of time on this please She's going to get her to change her evidence on Harvey. And he'll be out free to, to deal drugs another day. So she goes over to number eight and gets talking with Shona, who we've not seen too much of later since that impromptu mid-street Lately. cafe. What did I say? Later. Gemma, thank you for the corrections. I'm an editor. It shows you listening, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> she's, she's, she has another... Um, she, she says to Sharon that she's trying to... She's she's asking more about she says to Shona sorry about the, asking about other people and she says I've been looking about trying to find Curly Watts or something does he live does he live around here no she, no she says I want to find Curly where does Gail keep her contacts that's right um, and Shona says oh they're just on a on a tablet there she's got an iPad or something and then when Sharon comes in though Sharon makes a hasty exit with this tablet when Sharon comes in. I said Gail. Okay. I said, did I, did I say Gail? I'm reading it and it says Gail here. Gail comes in, Sharon goes out with Gail's iPad. She goes around to the Gail Rovers. Gail doesn't see. Gail does not see this. She doesn't say, yeah, for if I just take I'll it, take don't worry it, about yeah, it. What well, mine is yours. Mikasa Sukasa. She says, um, so she goes over to the Rovers because Jenny is doing free cocktails there. Gemma invites her around. And of course, Sharon is pretty much immediately able to guess Gail's password, as is soap tradition. It's one, two, three, four for anyone who else wants to get and have a look at Gail's um, Gail's pictures. Bethany 2000. was not Bethany 2000 anymore because you can't fit that on a little pin number. Put 2000 on. Um, So Jenny catches her with this, though, and she sees that it's got a picture of Sam as, like, the wallpaper. And she's like, why why have you got Sam as your... There's your tablet <laughs> wallpaper. Immediately suspicious, yes. That's such a random thing. But then, but and then Sharon says, "Oh, I must have picked it. Must have picked up Gail's tablet by mistake. Oh, what am I like?" And Jenny's like, "Oh, are you? What, what are you like?" She says she believes her. Though. I was like thinking, "Come on, Jenny, no." But anyway, Sharon heads back um, to to give to to return this iPad, and she happens to bump into Sam outside the house. He's looking at a bee's nest. Or something, was doesn't there called the bees underneath one of the gutters or something? Isn't it called a hive? A hive. Uh, and Sharon returns the tablet. Shona reckons she nicked it, but Gail doesn't. So effortlessly, at this point in the week, Sharon has got both Gail and Jenny wrapped around a little finger. But only only uh, Shona, who everyone thinks is mad, is suspicious of uh, Sharon. Although I don't think we get to see any more of Shona and her, and her suspicions later in the week. Nope. Sharon get away with being suspicious of everybody when you're when you're mad. Sharon begins to prey on Sam by saying, "Oh, you know what? I could learn a lot from you." Wednesday. That's my Sharon voice. Sharon's helping out at the cabin later. My Ray voice. Mm -hmm. I haven't got a Ray voice. Ray who? Oh, my Ray Crosby voice. 
I'm Ray. I'm Shannon. I am Dodgy. Hey, I'm Demal Dodgy like too. Me. What do you mean? I sound like I don't know you. who's talking at the moment, oh. but it's one of them. It's got a bit of scouse there. So Where Sharon's helping out the Cameron on Wednesday. Get Sarah, Sarah Lou comes in. Although I like that Sharon said, "Oh, let's look at Sarah Lou," and Sarah's like, "No, it's just Sarah." I don't kill myself. Sarah Lou anymore, actually. She says that she's organising a birthday surprise for Sam, who is turning ten, um, and Sharon offers to help out. She wants to get a get back round to number eight again and do a bit more snooping. If people want to have, if want to do a proper surprise birthday party for people. Don't do it on their birthday. They're going to suspect. Do it the week before. Yeah, that's or a good the, point. Or the month before. Or six months before and say it's your half birthday party. <laughs> if Kids I, love I, half birthdays, don't they? Yeah, I'm nine and a half. Yeah. If, I'm, if, if it's my birthday and there's nothing organised, I'm expecting a surprise party. <laughs> well, you know, things aren't going here's so a, well. Here's a philosophical, there's, there's... Can I just say, here's a philosophical question. Go on. Can you expect a surprise party? Can you expect... by, its very, by its very definition, if you expect it, it's not a surprise. You can still expect it. No, but it maybe transforms it? into a, a normal party when it happens. A, a suspected party. I think that's a great question. Maybe that's for another go time. That's going to go down in, in the classics. Like, does if a tree falls in the woods, does it make a sound? Which is like, yeah, <laughs> next question. <laughs> so Sharon comes around the house later with some giant inflatable balloons... Well, I suppose most balloons are inflatable. I just wanted to add an adjective to a sentence there. Could have choose the better one. Blue, let's say. Yeah. Sarah says, Sarah's a bit frantic. Because like I say... An inflatable balloons are no longer surprised. <laughs> Audrey's in hospital or something. Gail's going around to see her. Anyway, whatever the excuse the writers came with, Sarah's on her own um, trying to organise this party for Sam. Um, and Sharon's like, let's give Sam a birthday to remember. No, I'm Who not said that? It. it was Ray. Not going to say it. I wouldn't want a party for, to remember that was Ray. Cool. Later, Sharon's making herself very useful. Sarah realises she's burnt the cake because she's oh. a Corrie woman and she can't cook. Oh. So Sharon goes off to the shops to get a replacement. And this is when Sarah gets a message from Nick, or so she thinks. There's a little beep, beep, beep on her phone and a, a message from an unknown contact saying, It's me, Nick. It's me, Nick. Meet me on the red wreck. And she's like, hang on a minute, this text sounds like Sarah or Ray. I, I can't tell. I suspect it. I won't suspect it. That's the thing. So she goes out. You didn't suspect it, did you? I didn't suspect it. You did. Oh, well, it's probably Straight not Straight away, you were like, that's not you, Nick. You were going, oh, how are they going to film this? I was like, well, are they going to they go on the red wreck? Are they going to do a bit of location filming? Why is Nick going to... Say? I was like, no, it's not Nick, is it? I believed it's it. Naughty. I would fall for Sharon's lies. Um, so you're a nice soon person as, and you're not suspicious. Soon as... Um, uh, Sharon okay. gets back later. Sarah's like, I've got uh, something's come up. I've got to go. I can't tell you where. It's but like, it's a worrying message. Yeah. Um, she's like, Yeah, I've got to go. Um, I can't tell you anything. Uh, um, don't watch it. Uh, can you, can you um, like, look after Sam for the rest of the day? I've only just met you. You're Is an old family friend. <laughs> yeah, basically. Sarah, terrible mum, we know, but. Terrible you, guardian to any child. Leaving whether Sam. Whether it's hers or someone else. I mean. I, I assume, were Max and Lily there as well? Off screen again? I can't remember. I don't think they were, but I don't know where they were supposed to be. But yeah, Sarah, Sarah very, very trusting of this incredibly dodgy looking woman. I think. So who she wants? She wants her to look after she Sam. She needs her to look after Sam. On his birthday. Yeah. Tell you Tragic. what, this is the worst party that anyone's organised since Chris Fountain was mm. in charge of birthday parties. <laughs> Later on, Sam is all. <laughs> 
<laughs> Later on, Sam's all sad because his mum and dad are away in witness protection, and 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 he's just been left in alone with this with this batty old woman. She's not batty. She's charming. She is charming. She's um, she's very shrewd. Um, and Sar- Saren s- takes the opportunity to start digging for information, but Sam, for a, for a short amount of time, doesn't say where Nick is. And Sha- Sharon is acting all sorry for him, saying, "Oh, oh it's so sad. You can't speak to your dad on your birthday. You really should be able to. You shouldn't know. They shouldn't. People shouldn't be able to tell you you can't do that. Yeah, Let's maybe, be honest. Maybe we, give him a ring. Can we just be honest though? When you're a kid and it's your birthday, and you have to talk to relatives, and it even if it is your dad, and it's literally just to say. Thank you for my card. Thank you for my inflatable balloons. Thank you for my giant inflatable willy. Oh, that's Kevin's tag too. Oh, sorry, I've put the wrong thing in here. <laughs> Imagine if Sharon had turned up. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is, that's probably illegal. Probably, probably. Um, yeah, but what is he going to have a conversation about on his birthday? Literally, he's going to be boring stuff like, well, oh, he was, Sarah. Well, he did, didn't he? Auntie he Sarah burnt my cake. He rang him up and he's like, I've filmed loads of docu... I've recorded loads of documentaries for you, Dad. Yeah, when he said I've recorded loads of documentaries, I was like, he's making his own movies about, <laughs> about space. And then I was like, oh yeah, it makes more Off sense. He just recorded them. Off the telly. And Nick's Did like, I think we need to stay a little bit longer, actually. I'm surprised he's not saying, no, I found this really good YouTube channel. He's not, he doesn't... Children don't record things, do they? Sam is a bit different, isn't he? Is, he? Isn't we he? know this. Um, so he, he's talking with, with Nick and everything and Nick's like saying, oh, you can ring whenever you want. But, uh, but he, he seems a bit distracted by something. I don't know. But anyway, Sam realises at this point that Sharon is listening in and he's terrified he's been caught out. He's not meant to let anybody know that he's speaking to Nick, that he's got a secret phone number. And Sharon's like, oh, yeah, I probably, you can trust me, Sam. If you ever, if you ever need someone to talk to, you can always speak to me. Sam... I, I don't know whether I think that he should be sm- smarter than this. I guess it's kind of cute that he was so naive and trusting. But it's over not the... that he's silly, it's that he's trusting. Yeah, yeah. And he's had, I, I get the impression that he's had a, a rather sheltered upbringing because I think Natasha's quite overprotective and it feels as though for a long time it was just her and him. Mm. And so I think he's not had a lot of exposure to people that are manipulative. And good for him, I don't think children should absolutely skill set even though it's very helpful over the course of the next few scenes he starts to open up a little bit and he he says oh leanne feeds information about crime to the police and he, he basically the the, the floodgates open yeah. doesn't he? he tells her everything and sharon's like this is gold did you know she used to be a sex Saren's like oh i hope they catch those nasty criminals oh, i don't like criminals <laughs> you'll be really brave to tell me sam <laughs> <laughs> this is Phyllis Pierce coming out there. A yeah, bit. you've got you, Ray Crosby's gone and Phyllis Pierce is being channeled. You're like a. She says a problem shared is a problem halved. You're like a medium. Coronation Street yeah. characters, and they're they're gonna have a little secret together. He seems he he seems quite happy to have a confidant about this because he's not. I don't think this just makes me so I don't nervous. Whether he's got any friends really, but even if he did, he wouldn't be able to tell them. And I think it's a bit of a weight of his mind, isn't yeah. it? Um, I would be terrified to have a kid. What secrets have you got that you tell the kid about? No, I'm thinking of like the fact that you can tell the children and you can try to educate them, but you can never, you can never prepare. Like, right, this is what happens when your dad goes into hiding because his girlfriend has been involved in a drug dealer and the drug dealer's aunt comes and tries to pump you for information. <laughs> Just 
change the subject to whether you can ever truly expect a surprise party. <laughs> well, he ends up trying. He ends up watching documentaries with her, doesn't he? So he's able to get the subject off of uh, Nick and Nian for a little some bit. Some great acting as well. Who? Um, Sharon. Sharon Tra- Tracy. Tra- Tracy Bennett. Tracy Bennett. She was. She was awesome. She was She's, doing a fantastic she job. So of, like, good. Looking very regretful, but also evil. Well, he's she st- should have been in um, hundred and one Dalmatians. She would have been fantastic. She would have been. Um, she starts. She starts asking about Leanne again, and and then he says, "Oh, her, her son died recently." And Sharon, you can tell that this is getting her. She's already doing all of this under duress, isn't she? With yeah. That, and now um, she finds out from from a beautiful little boy. That another little boy has died. Well, I, I think I think that she knew about it before, but just him bringing up and and saying that I'm trying to, basically, I'm, I'm trying to trick and scam and a bereaved mother. No, uh, and a little boy who has lost a brother mm-hmm. to all extents and purposes. She feels dead guilty about it. Doing it anyway, though. Isn't Do, doing she? it anyway. Um, and so, meanwhile, we got Sarah Lou at the factory, and she tells this is Adam, like, "This is like Tyrone and Alina." Oh, I do, I do bad thing, but I feel sad about it, so it does not count. I believe Sharon Moore, I have to say. Um, so, Sarah, Sarah, if anyone was wondering what's happened to her, because I was just waiting for this red wreck scene for her to turn up there and nobody, nobody be there. But you she goes, really... she doesn't even go back home. Can't She's been away that. for I don't know how many hours, long enough for Sharon to get pretty much everything she needs off of Sam. Also, to rather murder than... him and bury him somewhere. Probably. So, but rather than go back, Sarah's like, oh, yeah. She's probably Sam's probably fine. Just gonna go back to work for a little bit. Yeah, gonna she go just into... gets back to work. She's like, I've got some emails. I'm going to tell Sam about this mysterious text. Nick wasn't actually there. Adam says, you really should have been more careful. That That could have been anyone. She's going to tell Sam or she's going to tell Nick. What? You said she's going to tell Sam... But oh, you meant Nick. I am. Yeah, yeah. One of those, I think. So um, she she goes back home eventually. She realises that she has got um, a few responsibilities back at home. She finds having a bit of a bop. Nice bit of dancing from Sharon. Bit of Mr Bean dancing from Sam as well. I don't know whether that was actually Jude's real dancing or whether he was told to do a bit of a sad dad dance. But Don't think, call his dancing a sad dad dance. I think if I imagined how Sam would dance, that'd be pretty much it. And tell you what, he'd wipe the floor with me in any dancing competition. I would love to see a dance-off between you and Sam. But it turns out that Sam needs to stay over tonight because Natasha's staying in London. What a rubbish birthday, this poor child. Totally rubbish. Nobody cares. This Double is digits. Don't bother. If you're, if you're a young, impressionable person, listen to me because I've got so much wisdom to share with you. As a she somewhat, was one once, as a many moons ago. precocious child myself in my day, don't bother trying to be sensible or good because you just get crapped on and told all the all the rubbish stuff and people don't even bother turning up to your surprise party. Tell you what, it was a surprise party because it wasn't even a party in the end. The surprise was the How only surprising. person that was there with Sam was somebody who he he'd never know. met before. <laughs> anyway... Um, Sharon, we find out, and this is, I think you, you'd theorised this, hadn't you? She was the one that sent the message to Sarah because we hear her listening to a voicemail from Sarah going, Nick, Nick, where are you? I can't find you. Yeah. And, she, and, she, uh, she, and Sharon's like, goes, yes. And then she does a little thinking face because she's feeling, oh, what am I doing? Sharon, Tell you what, it would have been, um, Sharon, Tracy Bennett's face is so expressive that if she told me she was the original model for the emojis, I would believe you. Yes. She can make a whole, whole set all of kind of different Sharon ranges. Sharon emojis, can we? Yeah. And we don't even need to cover her face. She, she, she still carries on around making herself useful. She asks Sam if he's texted his dad and he says, yeah, but he won't come back. It's too dangerous. 
End of the episode, we get Sharon back in the cabin on the phone to Harvey. He is not impressed that she hasn't found Leanne yet. I don't know how quickly he thought that he was she was going to do this. She's only been back in town a week. Um, but in any case, Sharon, um, he's... He's also not impressed by the fact that she seems to be going a bit soft over Sam. Um, and she, he he kind of implies that if she doesn't find Leanne, then maybe maybe Leanne, maybe Sam will end up... Dead. Know, basically, basically. And she's like, "You will. I'm not going to play ball if you hurt Nick's lad. And then he hangs up, leaving her incredibly frantic on the end of the phone. Oh no, whoops. So what we also had on Wednesday's episode, which um, I thought was originally a separate storyline, but it merged together, like I said, was a stand undelivered. So a little bit of extra information for Wednesday's episode. This is what's going on with Peter. So he's still doing his jigsaws first thing on Wednesday. Things move fast with Peter this week, don't they? Starts off the Wednesday doing his jigsaws, ends up by the end of Friday, he's been beaten up in, in, in hospital. So Carla is not too impressed with this start to her married life. The honeymoon period is well and truly over. Carla comes round later, though, to spice things up a little bit. She's got a trench coat. You know that there's going to be some sexy times happening, and she, she does a bit of a flash, and um, that gets Peter to put his paper down, let's just say. So, um, well, one thing leads to another, and the next thing we have Steve catching and bonking on the lounge floor. Would you believe it? Horrible, absolutely repulsive behaviour for family show. Um... We also find that Carla has bought a new flat for them. She's got some new bedlin in for it. They're going to live over streetcars. Pete is chuffed by this. Um, I would have thought Carla would have better taste than that duvet set. Well, it's, it, was it was blue horrible. for a start. That's not Carla's colour. I thought it was... It was kind of like Moroccan it colour, was wasn't it? very nice. It's the same colour as Tracy's kidneys. But it's not black and red. <laughs> I, th- I thought that upstairs in the streetcars already was like blacky, reddy colour. Well, when um, but I tell you what, she lived, did, she did have really bad interior design taste when she had her own apartment. Did she? Yeah, it was, it was all black and red. It was like, okay. Exactly. Look, yeah, but interview with a vampire should not be your design scheme. <laughs> Um, anyway, Peter's pretty chuffed by this, but he gets even better news later when the hospital rings him and said, we have a liver for you. Um, we, so, um, brilliant. He gets all set himself, packed up, ready to go for the hospital. Well, he's he's kind of nervously optimistic about it, and but Carla is chuffed. This is, as far as she's concerned, this is all, all going to be fine. And, um, yeah, back to normal before you know it. Alas, no. Uh, Friday, Peter starts off in hospital. He can't, he can't contact Simon Carla's there with him and he's like he starts like oh I wonder who died I wonder whose liver I'm getting um, and she says look just look to the future all the fun stuff that we're going to be able to do together all the places we're going to be able to go and Peter's committed that booze is going to be no part of it it's all looking pretty rosy yeah, he, he does have to pause for a bit to write a sorry I might just in case I die letter to Simon um, <laughs> but he's like Carla can you just if, if I better do I tell tell Simon I love him I'm sorry yeah Meanwhile, Sharon um, sees Sam again and says, oh, you know what? Oh, I think Simon would want to be told about liver's, uh, Peter's liver transplant. Don't you think he may be? Uh, he'd feel terrible if, he, if Peter died and he never knew anything about it. She's so manipulative, so cruel. If, if... It's not her fault they give her all this ammunition. I know, I know. Most well-adjusted people she wouldn't be able to cause havoc with because they'd be like, <laughs> no, it's perfectly fine, everything's okay. Oh, you don't want him to find out you forgot to record the last episode of Line of Duty. <laughs> It'll um, hit the roof. Nick don't and... worry, I know where you can download it from. <laughs> Nick and Leanne are back 
It's only been what two weeks since I they know. went away, and we thought they were going to have a bit of a. Let me sleep. <laughs> so, can I just have some easy scenes, please? No, sorry, Jane. You got to be frantic again. Basically, every scene in the episode, you got to be at the end you of your. Got to be annoyed with everybody. Permanently annoyed. Yeah, she's she's um, terrified to hear that uh, Nick has heard from Sam because because Sam has phoned up and said or texted or something and said that Peter's going to go to the hospital so just please let Simon know. Leanne, Nick seems to think that Simon should know. Leanne doesn't, but it doesn't really matter anyway because Simon is listening in at the door. She apologizes later for going off on one and says, "Oh, I'll talk to Simon, let's go and find him." Oh no, he's gone. Meanwhile, Jenny is in the cabin later. She's being in 30p for Rita. Karen uh, Sharon's still there. And says, oh, I can't remember how it comes up, but I've got a cancer appointment later. So don't forget that, Jenny. Definitely cancer at the hospital. Post-cancer, should I say. Um, Simon is also at the hospital. He shows up there. He goes to see Peter. Um, He's escaped. And Sharon is not at the hospital. No, she's lying. She's gone to see Harvey. Who'd have thunk it? She says, look, Simon's going to come. Um, I- I'm working on him. It's all going to be okay. Just bide your time. And he's pretty pleased with her. Um, but she is looking very, very uncomfortable all about everything that's going on. Um, then we have a great scene where Jenny's going to the prison. She's going to see Johnny. Who does she see walking out? Oh, so coincidentally when she goes there, but Sharon, of course. Jenny's like, what the hell are you doing here? You said you were going to the hospital later, missus. Um, and Jenny and Sharon's like, um, yeah, mentoring a prisoner. Um, prisoner who had a hospital appointment and Jenny wants the details on this. She doesn't believe her at all. Sharon says, no, sorry, I can't tell you. It's got to be constant, confidential. completely secret. Be- best not keep Johnny waiting. Off you go inside. Jenny kind of snarls and goes in. She is definitely, definitely not satisfied with Sharon's um, explanation for what she's doing at the prison there. Good honour. Simon, meanwhile, um, is promising Peter that he is safe in his safe house. And Peter says, look, that's, that's great. Glad to hear you're all okay. Going to have the operation. Everything's going to be perfect. Nothing can go wrong. My life's going to be back on track. We're sorted here. I have to have it right now. He spoke too soon. It turns out the liver is not viable. If I don't have it now, I'll die. Maybe it turns out that it's just a kidney or something, and they kind of got it wrong. It turns out the 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 doctor's like the liver's knackered, but pate for lunch. Bit of lovely foie gras. Peter says uh, is told that he has to go home. and um, so he gets gets his kit on and uh, gets ready to go back to back to Coronation Street. Um, so Simon well, see, though is, is saying the thing that Simon's just been sitting there. Peter saying, "Oh yeah, this is my last chance," and then and then he suddenly has to say, "No, no, no, I was only joking." Yeah, I know, I know. Um, Le- Leanne and Nick are having kittens at the moment. Maybe they could give some to Asher and Corey. Uh, Peter Peter is trying to convince to Simon to go back and he reluctantly agrees. Carla goes to get the car um, and then we see Peter has been given this bit of paper by Simon with a secret address on. Um, he, either This is when we get the porter, don't we? Dodgy porter from the beginning of the episode who had a suspiciously um, oh, yeah. out loud spoken line and uh, it turns and out he's one of Harvey's cronies. He's evil. He is. He's an evil mopper. He's not even sweeping the floor or anything. He's just pretending. He's been listening in and saying, look, Simon's here. Go, go, go. Here's Come and question. get him. This guy, right, is he snuck into the hospital and is cleaning and pretending to be a cleaner? And if so, where did he get the cleaning stuff from? Has he nobbled off one of the other cleaners? He's like stuck in a... 
in a in a room somewhere with their underpants well, on. Yeah, yeah exactly. They, they did the classic or, pull him into the cupboard and beat him up and then come out wearing his clothes. Did they pull the long con and get him to get himself a job at Weatherfield General as the as a cleaner? On the assumption that at some point somebody from so Coronation listen, Street is going to end up in there. And out. They use this place so much, they've actually transformed the front of their office building into a hospital so they don't have to go anywhere <laughs> they, they they go to a few places in coronation street they go to the hospital occasionally fresh goes car park isn't this kind of um, like what everyone's life the is prison like now, that's about it you can only go to three places <laughs> we're, we're, we're coming out of it it's fine so um where are we yeah so he so um peter overhears this bloke saying he's here he's here so, so peter's like simon run run uh blokey Belts him in the stomach. Peter's collapsed on the floor. No, no, not my kidneys now. <laughs> um, he's just going to have to have a full-on torso transplant at this point, I think. Well, this is what, um, what was it? George was making a joke about two people in a coffin wearing the wrong clothes. And the guy says, don't worry, I sort the heads over. Yeah, that's what happened. Peter needs that, doesn't he? But, but surely your head's the main thing. I think so. When you think you're your head, not the rest of you. Yeah. What would you rather have? Your head on someone else's body or someone else's head on your body? My head on someone else's body. Any particular... But, but the, the existence of my head on someone else's body would indicate the reverse would also be true. So either way, I've got one and both, haven't I? <laughs> but you'd be probably leaving your body behind. It depends on what which body we're talking about. We're talking about like Scarlett Johansson kind, kind of body because she's going to be so mad when she finds out what she's got. <laughs> Um, so Carla turns back up to after bringing the car around or something finds that Peter's been taken in because he's been cracked around the head or he's bopped it on the floor or something Simon's run off at this point oh dear things aren't going quite so well as we thought it would be Um, Sharon has turned up at the Rovers Jenny's like, Jenny, I'm glad has completely she's holding all the cards here isn't she she's like so um, you come you don't usually come and see how Johnny was. Are you, you know, got anything to hide here? Sharon realises that she's not going to win this one and makes a hasty exit through the back door with Daisy hot on her tail. Stupidly, Shanna, Sharon, I keep saying Shannon because I'm watching classic Coronation Street at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Sharon is, barely has she left the Rovers. She's literally round the side of it. Go and on the phone. Simon Barlow. Yeah. Bring him, bring me his head. On someone else's body. But even though she was, you know, <laughs> completely oblivious to the fact that anybody could have been listening, nobody was listening. Daisy doesn't get there in time Daisy's to overhear like, the Daisy most important bits of this out, conversation. Like, in the least stealthy way I've ever seen anybody. With a slinky black you know trousers. That, you know that Daisy has made a lifetime's habit of listening to other people's conversations. Totally. And then she kind of like sees see Sharon looking at her and goes, "Oh, look at these crates! Look at these crates! crates. She's going to stack some crates." Oh, she doesn't yeah. even do it that much. She just goes, "Crate, shuffle, shuffle, shuffle." She doesn't do that. She no. goes, "Crate, bye." <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe she just wanted Sharon to know that maybe she's on her. I'm watching I don't you, know. watching you, lady. Um, so anyway, she goes back and reports back to Jenny, um, who swears that she is going to figure out what Sharon's up to, and then she'll regret it. Um, no. That's about it, really. Oh no, we have Sh- we have Simon turning back up at the secret hidey hole later. Um, everyone's stressing out that he might have been followed. So Leanne makes Nick bin his phone sim. So don't you contact Sam again? Um, and then Peter you know, is told at the end of the episode, 
Sorry, um, you shouldn't really get into those fights. We don't think you deserve a liver. So you, you're not. If, if we even get another win, you're, you're not going to be at the top of the liver lender list. Um, oh, and the very, very end of the episode, for some reason, just in case we'd forgotten about it, he has a look at his address or the the address, and um, I'm sure that'll come in quite useful next week for plot purposes. I'm so sad. Poor Peter is now back down the bottom of the list for fighting. I know, he didn't even do a fight. You know what really bothers me is one of these examples where they didn't explain this. What? Um, It's kind of an unusual circumstance, Doctor, because my son was being attacked by a gang of criminals. I know, he was just like... But but, maybe they were like... Maybe the Doctor was like... If they had said that, the Doctor would have been like, that's even worse. Because really, it's not a very good excuse, is it? I don't know, I don't know. Because it's like, it's not supposed to be stressing out. It's supposed to be chill and everything. I'm I'm glad that Peter um didn't get... I think I'm glad that he didn't get a liver. Because when we got that call on Wednesday's episode to say there was one ready, you I was like... You didn't get any calls, Michael. We're not involved. I was Remember. like, seriously? And the average is, what did he say, 145 days to get a liver? It's barely 145 hours has passed since he was told that he was going to get one. I know, it was like, so what did they say? Little... Like, it might be 100 million days between now and when you get your liver, or it might just be tomorrow. It seemed a little convenient. Um, but then, on the other hand, I was thinking, oh yeah, but it'd be over and done with then, wouldn't it? Because I think it, it's... Uh, I, I don't think I'm thinking that Chris Gascoigne's going to be leaving the show anytime soon. Now. There, there was a time when I thought he would, and now I'm like, no, he's just going to get his liver and it'll be better. But at least he, I, I might believe that he doesn't go back to drinking again, but it's just going to take another producer to come in and say, oh, you know, Peter Let's got a new liver and swore that up. he wouldn't drink again. Let's make him drink again. What a great story and so original. No. So I don't know, you, what, are you, were you hoping that he would get his liver or did you, did you think it was a bit, bit well, too soon? Well, as soon as he went in there, I went, now let's find out how this is going to go wrong. I wasn't sure. I didn't know. I'd, I'd seen a couple of spoiler pictures for this. But not much, and I hadn't read anything about it. I'd seen a picture of Peter on the floor in the hospital, and I was thinking, "Oh, great, he's going to collapse again in the hospital." But I didn't, I didn't know that it was going to be happened? beaten up or that Get it was going to be like, to be, uh, the Harvey story or anything like that. But um, no, I, I just found, I found today's episode dragged the week down a little bit, and I think it was the yeah, overuse of this story. And I've seen some people saying that this was a brilliant pair of episodes. So I, it just kind of left me feeling a little bit flat. I didn't think... I didn't feel the tension or the drama or the... It didn't have my my heart... It's because I don't care about Carla and Peter at all. Yeah, it it is. But, I mean, I'm I'm kind of interested in the the Anne and Nick and Simon on the witness protection or whatever, but it... it, Even that's not that exciting. No. It's okay. But it's... No, tonight's episode just was a bit... Mm, for me, I mean Sharon still held it. Like, Sharon's brilliant. Like she held the week. Um, so yeah, that's, talk that's, that's about kind of Sharon. Talk about Sharon. Right, let me tell you about what happened with my Zoom then. So to explain it again, just to remind everybody what you're talking about. Well, a, a couple of weeks ago, I went. I was on another Corrie Press thing. It was in. It was in the um, the tail end of the Easter holidays, wasn't it? The second week of the Easter holidays, and um, it was on a Tuesday afternoon. I think it doesn't matter when. Just tell us. What happened? So you, well, so you go in there. I and go you, in there. You join so in. Join up on my Zoom call, and 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 I'm there with my with the other proper journalists. Yeah. And there's some people from Corrie there. Some was well, some you know behind the scenes well, some press people. Alice and Claire was there, and there was Tracy Bennett, and she talked for a good hour. She she loved a good talk, did Sharon? Uh, Tracy, gosh, pardon me. Um, 
yeah, she was she was fascinating. I loved her. Um, she, I, I mean, I don't want to say everything because I, I think all the press um, details have come out about it now. There was an embargo up until Tuesday because this whole thing about Sharon being revealed as Harvey's secret aunt was kept from all the previews and everything. So hopefully, fingers crossed, there are a lot of people that are watching it on Monday not knowing that, that was going to happen. So they got a nice surprise. Unfortunately, as much as I enjoyed doing the press interview, I didn't know that that was going to happen. I, I knew that it was going to happen. So anyway, um, it was cool. She said that um, like she was first approached to do to return to Coronation Street like 16, 18 months ago when she was busy and then COVID happened. So it's fascinating how far in advance this was all kind of plotted. And it makes you think like, which stories would have, which stories get moved around? How much would it have been moved around? Um you know, so this is why, would other I... things have had to have been brought 12 months earlier? I just don't know. But I, I don't think at the time she said um, they were going to necessarily have... They didn't know exactly what story they were going to have. She said that there was possibility that she was going to be in a bit of a sad story. But then COVID happened, so they didn't want to have a depressing story. But I mean, it didn't stop them killing off Oliver. So I don't know about that. She said she didn't go back and watch the older scenes of herself. She just tried to remember the essence of it and, and um, what made Sharon, Sharon. And she, she seemed honestly fascinated in the fact that we get to see little snapshots of this character in 20 year in 20 year intervals, pretty much. And um, how she's changed and what's kept the same and everything. She said she's still, she's still gobby and, and impulsive like she always was, but she's not, you know, young and daft enough to get away with it now. Um, she says, um, oh, talking about being gobby, one of the interesting things was that with one of the things with COVID rules or something is you're not allowed to project when you're acting as much as you normally would. So, so a gobby character can't be massively loud because you might spread COVID around or something. So that was, that was something to tackle. Um, she said, she said she was not interested in the fact that it was quite a dark story that she was coming back to. The fact that there's a lot of guilt around and you don't know whether to trust her or not. Um, she says, um, she talked about the Jenny stuff, the fact that Jenny's back is immediately up about it. And she referred to it as a bit of a cat and mouse game. Um, and, uh, she generally, it feels like Sharon's on top, but then occasionally when she lets the guard down, Jenny's able to, you know, spot spot some of the chinks in her armour or something. Um, she talked about going back to Coronation Street after all this time. She said if it was going back to the old Key Street set, she would have probably been... It would have been very hard for her, a bit too emotional for her. Because she was like, if it wasn't for, for Granada, I probably wouldn't be working. She'd probably still be doing a stump plane flying over oh, Blackpool, yeah. wouldn't she? Um, so, and, and it was a chance to make new memories. She talked about... Um, oh, one of the things that she was asked was about... Um, like when you were in Corrie in the 80s, what did some of those legends teach you? And and she said that Pat Phoenix said that she would always dress, she should, you must always dress feminine like a superstar when you come into work. Remember, you can always wear stockings and suspenders under them dungarees because uh, Sharon was never, she was never you know, dressed up dead glamour or anything. She said a little bit of scent and a twinkle in your eye. That's okay. a very, <laughs> that's a very Pat Phoenix thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, she's she's just um she's just seemed she really excited about the role. She talked a bit about um some of the theatre stuff she was doing. She talked about how her life has been affected by COVID personally and how 
she's she's known people that have died from it and I, I had to horrible. say goodbye to them pretty much over Zoom. It was really it's horrible. horrible. It was yeah. really harrow, harrowing stuff. Um, but no, it was really, really enjoyable listening to her for, for that hour. Um, yeah, cool, cool stuff. Um, but like I said before, it did mean that I knew that this twist was going to happen. And you after after last Friday's episode, I think, you made me tell you as well, didn't you? You're like, who's she on the phone to? Is it Harvey? And I was like, hmm. <laughs> because they're Yeah, well, like, the fact that I asked you means... Yeah. The thing is, um, a lot of these twists, although it feels kind of like... I think some of these twists are deliberately made so that you feel a sense of satisfaction that you worked it out before the show told you. Mm. And I think some of these things you're supposed to suspect or realise before it's revealed. And that little thrill that you get of like, going, oh, I knew that. I was right. I was yeah. quite, I think you're right. And, and, I, and I just, I didn't quite get that with this just because I've been told in advance. So it's, it's such a like, oh, do I do these press things or do I not? I mean, there's been a couple of other ones that have been going on since then as well. And I've not been able to go anyway because of school. Um, but I, I don't know, I almost, I'm kind of almost feeling that I want to just have another go at doing one of my spoiler-free months. It's been a few years since I've done that, haven't I? Getting other people to look for the news for me and I just completely have a social media blackout. Um, I don't know. But anyway, um, we, there had been lots of theories beforehand that Sharon was connected to this. Unfortunately, I think Ian McLeod's um, cryptic New Year's interviews yet again not as cryptic as he thought he was gonna be because he'd said something along the lines of oh there's gonna be a return a face from Rita's past is gonna turn up and she's gonna be linked somehow to the Leanne story so it well didn't, she ain't Ollie is she it didn't take you know too much for people to have guessed who could it be coming back from Rita's past not not many people but a lot of, most people assumed Dennis. it would be Tracy uh Tracy Bennett well Sharon and then it was and then when it was the she, she's going to be linked to Leanne's story, again, people were like, well, I saw things like, is she Harvey's mum? Is she like, is, um, some, at one point I saw some people suggesting that she might be Jacob's mum as well. And at the time I was thinking, who's oh, Jacob? Who's Jacob? Jacob Hay. Jan- oh, yeah. <laughs> He's gone. He- He's dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's the that's the goon, isn't it? Who um, the goon who got his legs broken, the, and we had the pleasure of welcoming on the podcast a few weeks ago. Yes, um, it doesn't a, take me long to completely forget some, somebody's name. Don't worry, Jack. It's not just you. No, it's it, Jack. You've yes. got my name now. <laughs> no, I'm talking to him. <laughs> um, Yes, yeah, so, well, I mean, what do you think about the fact that she has been brought into this story? Would you prefer if she wasn't and it was just a, you know, a, a Sharon and Rita story and no, the, the foster fisticuffs? It's like really it. interesting. I like the fact that she's a villain. She's really great at playing this conflicted. She is. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know whether I think that she's maybe being a bit too obvious and overt with her moustache twirling villainousness but she cries as well she she does she does and i'm liking that i think that the two oh, the duality to it girl, is is brilliant child. but i i think that it was a bit no too it was a friends. little bit too um it's a bit too obvious what she was doing on monday when she goes so leanne tell me about leanne i'm looking interested in leanne oh leanne's not here is what she are you what? joking when you meet up with someone and you're like 
oh, what happened to Sanzo? Blah blah blah. How is your how's how's the Anne? How's this? How's that? Like you just remember you go. Uh, she did go through everybody, didn't she? She went through all the people. But she she seemed particularly fixated at one point on Leanne, and I think I don't know. I think it might have been a better surprise if it hadn't been so obvious that she was villainous before. Like I'm wondering if we didn't have that phone call at the end of last week's episode. If last week's episode had literally ended up with her going to the prison, I think that would have been a better twist. I think it would have been better yeah, having it there. Yeah, but like I said, I think they, they, they put breadcrumbs down. So, yeah, it, it, was, it wasn't so much... Sometimes they really want you to, to be shocked. And it sometimes was... they want to lead you to, to a conclusion just before they reveal it. Was, it. it was less breadcrumbs and more a massive fat ball hanging up, I think. I think that, I <laughs> don't like know. Just like a bakery. Just Greg's but... there. But I, I I do think that she's a, she's a great villain, but not quite a villain. And at, at various points in the week, I was thinking, oh, is she is she going to be redeemed as a character? I kind of want her to be the same way as Debbie is. But on the other hand, she is she is being very manipulative to this ten year old boy and potentially putting him in danger and everything now just by mentioning to Harvey that he even exists. Basically, it was really interesting watching her interactions with Harvey coming off the back of just seeing Yasmin and Jeff and thinking, this is this coercive control? Can this be... Can you say that this is what's happening? Because he's certainly manipulating her and she seems scared of him. But um, the, the question then becomes, like, at what point are you not being coercively controlled if you're involved in some kind of criminal activity and you're being manipulated into doing it? Because not that many people sort of just decide to become evil mm. or get involved in these things without some form of coercion involved. Well, that, and how much can you say? Well, it's not there. It, it's fault. it's her brother's drugs business. It seems like, doesn't it? And she's kind of feeling a sister, a sense of sisterly duty to take it over. And... I know, but when when you die, I'm not going to do this podcast anymore. Why is she so? <laughs> Why is she so concerned about drugs? I guess she knows that her nephew is a very persuasive person. I think person. she's just scared. She's scared of him and she also hasn't got anything else. Like she said, like he said something about a house and she's like, I don't have a house. Yeah, well, she was saying last week when she had her, that um, that meal out with Rita and Jenny, I, I realised I haven't got anyone since Wayne died. And I think that bit is true. Yeah, it's not just that. There's it's not, not having any, anything either, like... Yeah. Um, get, so why not I, drug quote, Did I mention it last week? Like getting to that age and realizing you don't have any assets or any kind of wealth and worrying where how am I going to look after myself? Yeah, exactly. It's not a very nice situation to be in. No, I thought I thought that um, the whole Sam angle was great. I mean, it was forget, really forget an... about Sarah's terrible parenting and maybe Sam. I love the way spilling that... a bit too easily. I think he might. I don't know whether he would have been smarter than that, but maybe no, no. maybe like you said, he's a he's not smart, but he's naive. Um, I just love the fact that um, Sarah and Sharon slaved away all day to create this elaborate t- afternoon tea spread that literally nobody ate. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Again, David probably just came around and hoovered it up. Yeah, later. probably. Um, so. That that was fun. He probably um, gave the cake a good old, good old weasel sniff and ate it anyway. <laughs> Two very, very good actors in Jude Two and Two uh, scene stealers together. Yeah, that, that was trying great. Trying to steal the scene off each other. Well, then also Jenny as well. I mean, the, there's this, some real big, uh, really big there are, charismatic... This is, they, they've got the, the A... Mm. They, 
they the got 18. the big guns out for this, I think. And um, like I said earlier, I'm very happy with where Jenny's going here. Mm. I, I'm still not convinced by Daisy. I still don't know whether it's we really need It's really fun her. that she's like the sidekick. Yeah, but the thing is about it is that sometimes you need a character for another character to talk to to explain what it is that they're doing. Yeah, but what use is Daisy going to be once Johnny comes out of prison? I, I don't know. I, I've... Maybe Johnny will never come out of prison. I feel that... You know, maybe we could have just seen Jenny talking with Johnny in the prison. I like Daisy. I don't care what you say. I don't. I don't not like her. I just find her still relatively purposeless. With, and what's she going picked on with a her crate MLM up and put well? it back down again. What uh, do you mean? I don't know. What's going on with what? With with the with the MLM stuff because she was getting involved yeah. with that with Sean, wasn't she? I'm just waiting for her to try and sell Sharon some Botox or something. <laughs> um, do you, Do you think that? Do you think that Jenny is going to, you know, come out on top? I really hope so. I'm sure she will. The, the, way, really... the way this was left, it didn't look like she was going to, you know... she. Jenny was She's not full... going to be convinced by Sharon no. that she's, you know, on the straight and narrow. She was in full suffer... Don't suffer fools gladly mode. Mm, mm. But I also would say that Sharon is also... At a similar level. So See, it's a, yeah, they're, they're a very nice manipulative, but um, equal battle of both wits. of them really do have this vulnerable, soft underbelly of being very empathetic. So um, Jenny was caught, kind of brought up short when um, Sharon said, "Oh, I've got a cancer appointment." You know, immediately that she kind yeah. of like went, "Oh dear," and then it's same thing with. Um, Sharon, when she was talking to Sam and heard about Leanne, mm. she sort of really got emotional about it. And that's a really fascinating um, trait that they have in common. Um, and I, I, I just think that's... Because they're such great actresses too. Oh, I'm kind of excited to know what scenes we will see from the power of them in the future. Yeah, I... Um, I would, do, you, do you think that Sharon's going to... Is she going to slip up? Is, is her conscience going to... I just wonder downfall. whether she's going to confide in them and ask them for help and then they'll defeat Harvey together in some kind of, like... I, that that would be quite cool. As much as I'm liking them at Loggerheads, having them team, team up, up to, quite fun. to defeat this drugs lord of Weatherfield. In some I, kind of, like, really weird, like, like uh, some way involving an Eccles cake or something. yeah. Yeah, something like that. I don't this, know, maybe it's... Uh... Enjoying enjoying your Eccles cake, Harvey? Yes, it's nice. Why? Because that's where all the drugs have been stashed. And they'll say, <laughs> you and your elephant can get out and leave me alone. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, dear. That's what drugs do, isn't it? All good, all good. Um, Nick and Leanne, surprised to see them again? Yep, but it's kind of hilarious that they're just stuck in this flat together, kind of both getting on each other's nerves. Leanne's just being a cow again. Nick's just like... <sighs> do, you think, do you think it's going to happen with this bin sim? I don't know what you can do with... I don't understand. I'm not I don't know how they work. I don't know whether it can... How I don't look, I don't know anything about it. All I know is that in spy movies, you have to like stamp on your phone, I... which always seems like a bit of a waste. <laughs> I think maybe the uh, that little bit of paper with the address on is more likely to be the clue that's going to. I really lead think them. that there's quite an analog solution to locating them. Peter just needs to go and chuck it in the bin at streetcars because when you throw a piece of paper it. with an address on there, it's still going to be there two months later, Put it like on the Elaine's top of the bin. was. Um, I think I, I I think that they're going to be found out. 
I'm just, I'm just gobsmacked oh. that they're back in it already. I already thought we'd be going a long period without them here. But anyway. I said a month tops. Yeah, I did, yeah, yeah, you did, didn't you? But I, I just didn't find it particularly exciting. In no, because it was the end going, yeah, Nick, why don't you go around telling them? And Simon's there going, I'm bored. It's like, get a PlayStation. What's wrong with all of you? Like, we've been in lockdown for a year and you're, like, a, like I understand everyone's getting to the end of their tether, but if anything has trained us all to sit in a room and do nothing for, for months on end, it was this pandemic. You've, you've literally, you're, all of us are Olympic level sitters in rooms. Corey's got his life sorted, hasn't he? He knows what's what. Sitting there, sitting on the sofa, playing his game. Yeah, sit there. Wait for it all to blow wait. over. We're all champions, world champions at this now. <laughs> I'm disappointed that Rita wasn't in it this I week. I don't think she was in it at all, was she? It was really nice to see her back in the show last week, but it's yeah. just back to hearing about her a, again. Got to ration her out. I know, it's a shame. Rationing Rita. And David as well. Did yeah. we, we saw him on... Did we get, get like one scene of David this week? I don't know, I don't know. But um, Can't, We firmly established that not everyone can be in it all the time. Also missing in action this week, and it's probably been like this for a very long time, but this week was the first week I noticed that awful pink and black spotty throw that goes on the back of the sofa in the Platts Kylie's house. beautiful Gone. throw. Gone. Anyway, that was quite a good story, um, but I yeah, just a bit meh today. When someone dies and they have some kind of like signature item, you either get rid of it immediately or you have to keep it forever. Yeah. if you keep it for a certain amount of time and then you get rid of it, it just seems really rude. <laughs> Speaking of people dying, Gemma, I'm going to pass over the Snarky and George story to you, so remind us what happened. Snarky and George, in which Todd discovers funerals aren't a laughing matter. They're not, just, they're not just for larks. No. Um, so on Monday, Todd is looking through the books and he's like, oh, the finances is looking really rough. We need to st- stop being so lenient with grieving clients. And George says... We built our our business on being nice to people and that's not going to end with me. We've always been like this in the Shuttleworth family and it will always stay the same. Does George have a son? That's what I'm interested in. No. Sorry, I'm having trouble hearing you. Sorry, sorry. Sorry doesn't know if George sorry has doesn't. a son. I've got no so, idea. So is he going to adopt, is he going to marry Eileen and adopt Todd? Because the Shuttleworth clan is looking fairly sparse. Yeah. For somebody who's so is so invested in the family business, he hasn't been sowing his seeds, has he? <laughs> Not as far as we know. Eileen makes a few so so Eileen and is still mad at George about the fact that he brought her a bouquet from a dead person. And I mean, for all he's talking about the dignity of his clients and stuff, he still did steal flowers from a corpse. So I don't know how he can hold his head up here with, with that. Well he he, he stole those uh, he... from a crematorium. <laughs> And he also passed those um those nana flowers on to Seven as well this week, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. He's got no respect. <laughs> I really later. love that. It's so I brilliant. That was funny. So anyway, um, she's yeah she, she's di- making a snidey comment. Um, she brings coffees round to the undertakers for Todd, and he's on the phone trying to get money out of this woman who's a bit batty. He says, and he's trying to get her get to give it to them in instalments. Because she owes the money for for the funeral. So George comes back later and Tosco says, Good news is we're back in the black. I'm just getting everybody to put down a 25% deposit for the funerals. And George hits the roof. He's like, a death deposit? Oh no. I'm going to phone up everybody and tell them all that they can have their money back. So he phones some people up and they're like, Well, I don't mind putting a deposit down. Makes sense to me. And he's like, oh, 
sorry, Todd, I guess this is how you do business after all. <laughs> like, George, come on, mate. There's even a little pamphlet on on his um desk that says something about paying in advance for a funeral plan. A man who who allows people to pay money into a funeral plan and then doesn't take a deposit because he thinks it's predatory. Um, there's even some kind of, like, percentage or some, some kind of weird percentage on the front of that funeral plan thing I saw. I don't know if it's supposed to be interest or what. My, my nan used to pay into one of those. You pay, like, a little bit every month and then when you die, they cover whatever. Mm. It's like insurance, like funeral insurance, basically. And if he's selling that, then he can't complain about taking down payments. Anyway, that's not the story, is it, Jammer? It's all about um, how far you can go with making a business out of something that is inherently a rather taboo subject, isn't it? Yeah, and how far you can go making jokes, making wisecracks about dead people. Um... Turns out, the buck stops at babies. Who would have guessed it? <laughs> so on Wednesday, Todd's next project is digitising everything um, and also upselling people and saying things like, oh, you don't want to cheap out on the on the funeral, do you? You want them to have a nice send-off. So he's, he's like, uh, selling, um, you know, expensive... He's just saying, you, know, you, you want the best of the best, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> See, this is difficult because, like... If it was you or me, we'd be like, no, not really. What's the most basic one? Is it going to Whose funeral would we it? be organising? Well, you or me, the other one. Oh, would you? You'd, put, you'd yeah. sit me off in a cardboard I, coffin, would Michael, you? Michael, you have spent your whole life penny pinching. If at the end of it, it's all to pay for you to have a fancy coffin, is that what you're working <laughs> your whole life for? Spend it now or you've got it. If you get to the end of your life and you're the only one left, and you've got enough money for a really elaborate funeral. You've done something wrong. <laughs> Unless that was your plan all along. That's all Fine, I'm saying. Fair so anyway, what do you feel? What funeral do you want then? We got asked no all funeral. this. You, you don't just want it forever. No, yeah, yeah. Immortality, please. I'll take that. <laughs> How much do I have to pay? Can Todd I just for tell that? you that's a lot more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, to, so the the son of the person who got upsold this comes in having a go at George and his ruthless assistant who um, is taking his dad for all he's worth. Um, Todd tries to defend himself, saying, I was just showing him all the different things. And George says, shut up, and sends him out the back. Go out to the back. What? <laughs> I Also, I don't, like... This is the other thing. George, Todd was definitely being predatory. But equally, George presumably sells a range of things... Does George decide when you come in which one he's going to offer you based on, like, how sad you are or how rich you look? <laughs> because some people who are very, you know, of, of small means may very well have spent their whole life saving up for a really good send-off. You know, just... no, it's not down to you to decide whether they should have brass or gold. I think he just gold. gives them the leaflet and lets them decide and goes with whatever they want. Goes, not mahogany then? Mahogany? Mahogany's nice, isn't it? Pine, Okay. Solid gold, no, oh. No problem. It's up to you. Lead-lined, we've got an offer on that. Very heavy. Covid safe. <laughs> so, yeah, the guy's really mad. George is not happy about this. So um, he sends him out the back and deals with it. Then he Todd comes in and he's being a snarky little arsehole, isn't he? He's like, ah-ha-ha, making stupid jokes. And George is like, right, you're fired. Really, it, wasn't, it was like a combination of the fact that... Um, 
Todd was being a dick to all the um, clients and then he couldn't even be, like, stop being a dick to his boss for five minutes. And he didn't notice that George was not getting, uh, not taking the joke. It was a bit silly because Todd is usually much more in tune with people than this because he's very manipulative and you need to have a very good handle on people's emotions to be able to manipulate them. And he seemed to be completely oblivious of the fact that George was like, this isn't even funny. You can't make a joke about this. Um... And also, he's had to give this funeral away for free. George has. I know. I wonder if he downgraded it first. <laughs> yeah, you can have so a free you can funeral. Have the, free, but... the free cheap one, but I ain't giving you the... <laughs> what is it? What would it be? The Coffin 5000 Deluxe. <laughs> it's got a Bluetooth speaker inside it. <laughs> so you can hear the funeral from Aww, within. Relayed the service inside the box. Or if How you get buried tasteful. alive, then you can use it to... Did you see there was, a, there was a video of some guy who was apparently quite a joker who um, recorded himself shouting, help, help, I'm stuck, I'm stuck, and banging, and they put it in the <laughs> coffin. And all the people, like, some of them were laughing, some of them were crying, and some of them were, like, looking at the camera with these, like, I don't know what's the right... Don't give Curry any ideas, because everybody looks like they want to go down the comedy funeral um, well, capers um, on Friday, with George and Todd. George has some weird... A company like um like a revolving flower because he's going off to a children's entertainment. Oh, I hope it's not Jesse Chadwick. Yeah, he's got a little, little think, revolving sunflower. I think it's Jeff who's been on ice. <laughs> yeah, it's the only one I know. He'd about. have loved it. Hmm. Kazam, and the body's gone. <laughs> <laughs> um. So on Friday, Todd Todd's like um manipulating Eileen. And he's lying to her about about why he got fired, and he makes out is that um, George was so het up on Eileen, and he wouldn't stop talking about her. And he was saying, "Oh, you remind me of Eileen. Oh, you, you've been raised badly by her." So he she goes round there and has a go at him, and he says, "That's not what happened at all." And she says, "Oh, I'll kill Todd." And George is like, "Would you like a funeral plant?" No, he doesn't say that. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> Eileen returns and tells Todd, "Well, I've convinced George to let you work a week's notice." I don't know what the game was. Here. I missed whether this was supposed to be manipulation or or not. But Todd goes back and he says, "Oh, I'll be on my best behaviour." Um, and he does this little um, sensitive face, like this is my this is my sensitive face. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like. If you've got a stiff on the slab or something like that, and George is not really, um, George is like the, It's a don't be disrespectful. It's a very young person, yeah. and the people are going to come in and to view the body later. So I want you to just keep in the back and don't talk to anybody. Um, and what do you know? He goes off to the funeral, and meanwhile, Todd's left there alone when the mourner arrives, and it turns out that the dead body in the back. Is actually his baby, a little one-year-old boy. Well, yeah, I thought it was like a week. Sorry, one-week-old boy. And the, and the, and the mourner is an old friend of Todd's as well from school. It's just add, it's just adding all of the all of the things that you could possibly imagine to to pull on Todd's heartstrings, make him realise that it's not just fun and games. Although it was kind of insulting. <laughs> Working at an entertainment is not all just fun, and, fun games. and games. But it was kind of insulting. Like, um, it doesn't really matter to Todd that old people die. You know what I mean? It's like, I, yeah, I know, I understand. It happens. But, but you should have empathy for everybody. <laughs> but the real reason why Todd could empathise, not just because it was his friend, but because he also has a history with a with a baby, because he and Sarah had Billy. Yes. Baby Billy, he'd like lived for three years. I keep saying years, and I mean weeks, just because time's taken a long time. Anyway, he 
mentions this to um, George. George later, but he doesn't. He doesn't say to his, to his friend, which was very good, very um, professional, ta- tactful. Yeah, like not making it about himself. So um, anyway, the griever turns up, and we know Todd's history, or at the very least, most of us do. And so we realise that this has put him in a very awkward position. And even if you didn't know that, I think you would have picked up how uncomfortable he was. Mm. Even just the fact that it's a baby is well, enough Well, he'd been desperately trying people. to phone up uh, George before He's and saying, you've got to get, out get like, back you here. You I, came I, a bit early, you came a bit early. And the guy's like, well, look, I just want to get this over and done with. My partner doesn't want to come. I, I want to see him myself. I've got, I've got to go back to her because I don't want to leave her alone. Can we just, can I just go and see, see him, please? And um, so he's like phoning George going, please help me, please help me. But in the end, he's got no choice. He has to lead him into the back to show him the the baby. It's and like it's a little, really little sad. wicker basket It's a thing. white little wicker basket on like this tiny little thing. And um, Todd looks really shaken. But the guy says, thank you so much for letting me, let me see my baby. And he leaves. Not before, not before Todd's like, do you want a discount? <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is when George, uh, when Todd begins to realise the, the value of the human touch and why it's so important, why George has been banging on about how the economics is not perhaps the most important part of, of the way he runs his business. So maybe he'll be less predatory from now on. I hope not really, because... I know this is what I'm thinking. It feels a bit yeah. like... We can't just have two really nice, sympathetic people working at the funeral parlour. You, you could just exchange Todd for any other character. Todd's, like, uniquely um, horrible and, and selfish and ruthless and interesting and predatory and you kind of need that bit of, a, bit of a balance. Although, you know, arguably, do you need it in a funeral parlour? Some people still don't really like this this concept even as a as an ongoing mm. story i mean i don't have a problem with it personally no, I, I, I love it um but I, I did like the the dynamic that george and todd have had had between each other and maybe it's not quite the same now though they do end the episode having a jolly jolly joke together at the road right yeah and... so so george comes back and, and todd's really shaken and he says about his baby and george is like oh dear i didn't realize that you had such a personal John, history you back um, so yeah, so they basically agree to to work together, and later on, Eileen finds them in the pub having a laugh about, like I said, the head swap thing. It's I think it's an old. That's quite joke, ironic for a soap, isn't it? Especially for Todd. <laughs> Todd's like swapping someone's head. Who <laughs> <laughs> thought of such a thing? <laughs> he told you about that. <laughs> <laughs> that couldn't happen in real life. <laughs> And they all go back home to number 11 for their tea. Right. Oh, nice. Um, there was, it was a very nice, satisfying little story. Um, there wasn't, I mean, there wasn't much story to it. And it kind of had to happen, didn't it? I was, when... It was a nice way of, of kind of bringing Todd back down to earth, using his character history. Yeah, I just, I just hope that he doesn't, get, he doesn't get too boring because Todd making those jokes is very much within his character. But equally, I, th- I think he is. He's he has grown. Much bad taste he has in. matured since he was, you know, since he was a bit younger. Well, since he was hiding in the woods, he's learned some things. Yeah. So um, I, I think this could be a really, really interesting little working relationship. Yeah, I hope and, it's uh, not the end of their workplace conflict because there still is quite a lot to milk out of that. Well, the, really. the, the conflict is still going to be about the the um, economic side of it, isn't it? Because Todd, although he's learned not to be so ruthless. 
he does he's he's made it his little project to get the undertakers you know bring it back to life financially as it were and um you know <laughs> digitizing gonna... it and everything with george saying what's the cloud i think that was a bit silly i think i think george would know what the cloud was but i just think it's kind of interesting and makes me wonder like how many weird and wacky funeral customs we're gonna learn about like oh you know um here's here we're having a tree service today where we ba- bury you under a tree because you could do that can't you you can yeah. turn into a pod well i, I hope i hope that they also use it as you know a serious place as well like you know yeah like like today's scenes it, it I, I didn't, show, I, didn't really particularly, I didn't particularly rate the guy that played todd's old mate particularly Rude. he was mourning how dare you um so i'm hoping that we get to see some characters that we really care about it's really, really interesting because it does show and it really is it like i i knew this beforehand but it really shows that both george and todd and the actors who play them have got fantastic range and emotional depth. And they can go from, like, stupid, ribbing each other and silly... Yeah, I think I think that this week has been one of George's best, really. Because the actor... Tony Maudsley. Yeah, he was, he's, he's more famous from being in... Uh, Benidorm. Which is a very comedic show. Yeah. And so, although he's... And he plays got, a very larger-than-life character there, I, I, I hear say. I hear it a bit whole. Well, yeah, we haven't watched it. You no. hear tell. I hear tell. Um, hear so, I, I've never seen him playing a different character, but I can understand that this is a very different character. Than I'm glad. I think, I think some people got, are watching it and they're not able to get his Benidorm character out of their heads. Really? Well, I think it's beneficial then, really, that we haven't seen it. Yeah. Because I totally buy him. I, do I, as well. I think he's an, an incredibly um, emotionally in tune character to what he's trying to portray. He feels as though he can do comedy and and like the more the d- drama side of things. He really can. He looks like he well, he can well up on command, which is a very useful trait. Yeah, I this, I think he role. he's on his way to being an extremely worthy successor to to Roy Hudd. Archie well, I mean, even even more so because Roy Hudd, Archie Shuttleworth, was only a very kind of minor sort of guest star character. He never had his own set. I mean, he's already automatically. Yeah, he he was warm and lovely and fantastic, wasn't he, Archie well, Shuttleworth? I mean, absolutely adored. Roy him. Hudd was a. He's a bit of a national treasure, yeah. wasn't he? So this is this and obviously t- pairing up with Blanche and everything. He had an awful lot going for him. This was a difficult um, role to boots to fill, but yes. they're doing a very good job. And I think that Coronation Street have set them up, set set him up, George, with a, a lot of faith. Mm. And I really think the character's going to live up to that. Taken an awful long time to get going. He's been in the show for, for a very long time without well, doing no, much. But, but... I, yeah, but honestly. If he'd come in straight off the bat and gone, hello, I'm here with my funeral parlour. Also, I mean, people are still saying this is inappropriate because of the pandemic. I can't imagine what the response would have been if this had happened a year ago. Mm. Who knows whether they were originally going to plan to have him go st- come straight in with this set yeah, a year ago because it wouldn't really wouldn't have been appropriate then. We didn't know what was going to happen a year ago. We were we had visions of you know bodies piling up high in the streets mm. to have Coronation Street go funeral parlor wacky hijinks. Yeah, that would not have worked. No, no, you're right, you're right. So that just... so to say that he's it's taken too long to get to this stage. Not mm. that you said that, but if that's anyone's criticism, you know. Just bear that in mind, I guess. I, ho- I hope that um, things get moving between him and Eileen as well. It's so obvious. Like, it, it, like, yeah. But, you know, again, 
They're destined. You can't you can't criticise Tyne and Alina for building a relationship out of nothing and then complain when other people take their time. They just have Why don't ha- you be consistent, Michael? They're, they're not having much of Eileen and George together, are they? They're, Can I just say, it would also be really cool weeks. if, like, he did something for her that wasn't bringing her dead person's flowers because so far she keeps cooking him his tea like they're already married for 20 years. <laughs> God forbid she puts pick a lily in anything because he'll be straight out of the door again. And here's another segue to the rutting ties story. Thank you very much for that one, Gemma. Um, so Chesney on Monday start, uh, starts the episode by coming over to have an old chat with Fizz. He says, look, you need to stop blaming yourself for all this. Novelty's going to wear off for Tyrone soon and he is going to be end up regretting what he's done and it's going to be too late because you're not going to have him back, are you? We, whatever though, you need to act like grown-ups, you and Tyrone. We need to set a good example in front of the girls. Don't forget that. So he goes over to the garage later to have a go at Tyrone himself. It's <laughs> like the kids aren't here. Um, and he says, right, you can, get, you can chat with the girls later. It's going to be you two, Ruby, Hope, Get this sorted, get it all out in the, in the open. Tyrone is chuffed by the fact that he's going to be able to have a chance to, to see the girls. And um, Chesney says, look, just don't take them back to Alina's flat, though. So before he can whisk them off, he has to do, um, do the difficult task of basically or uh, trying to explain why him and Mummy have split up. Because oh. um, that doesn't really make sense, I know. Yeah, because, like... Did you and Mummy fall out? One of them asks. Oh, it must be Hope because Ruby seems to stay fairly quiet this week. She's and Tyrone's like, oh, I always love her. I oh, know I always like her, but sometimes you need more when you're a grown up. But Mummy and Daddy will always love you just the same, though. Um, so that's, that's that's that plaster ripped off. So Alina later shows I up. I wish at somebody would have just said something is... like, "You can fall out of love with anybody but your your kids." Yeah, yeah. Well, that was basically what I was saying, wasn't it? I know, it? but so it feels he... a bit like, you, like, I could never stop loving you. Sorry. I could never. Why quiet, do you keep, Just throw it in the bin. <laughs> I'll take my watch off. Right, so, so Alina goes to Speed Dial, because this is where Tyrone's arranged to have a meeting with him, and she, he, he's it's like... not a meeting, uh, uh, Sorry, eating. <laughs> <laughs> Tyrone thinks that maybe she should leave, and it should just be him and the girls, actually, for a little bit, but Hope, for some weird reason has decided to do a, a, a complete 180 and actually quite likes the idea of meeting um, Tyrone's new girlfriend at this point. Although it does kind of, it, maybe it's within her personality because last year, or was it last year that she did a massive vault fast on um, uh, Jade who thought she was the best thing sli- since sliced br- butter and then within the course sliced of an episode... Sliced butter? Sliced butter is brilliant, never even Gemma. Heard of sliced this. bread. You're living in a different world. Oh, gosh, I'm just getting all my words wrong tonight. <laughs> Told you I was tired. <laughs> Sorry. Wow, I'm just living here in the 21st century with my sliced bread thinking <laughs> I've got luxuries. You wait till you get sliced butter. Perfect <laughs> like bread shape. Like, all this time I've been, I've been spreading my knife like a pleb. It's like, it, it comes in little packets, like those cheese squares that you can or get like, to go on your burgers. Well, you get parma ham and you kind of have to <laughs> yeah, peel it off. Exactly. Sliced butter. If it doesn't exist already, I'm getting down the patent office. Right. Um, anyway, Hope wants to find out about a new stepmom. Maria's telling Fizz, look, it's, um, she, she, the stepmom's always the evil one in films. Kids and then aren't going to fall for Alina's <laughs> chance. By the way, do you want a free pass to Gulliver's World? Because I've been saving up my tokens. Um, Alina is having a getting to know you quiz from Hope. Like, do you prefer this or that? Uh, I can't remember what some of the things are, but it ends up with like, do you love... Do you like, do you like Elsa- Father or Scarface? <laughs> do you like Elsa or Anna? And Alina's like, 
Oh, bad. I know I didn't get... You, you can say it. What does she say? I can't remember what she say. She, she prefers... And this is quite ironic. She prefers Anna because she's got a bit more personality to her. Mm-hmm. And this, this does get brought up at the end of the episode, thank goodness. Because kind of skipping ahead a little bit, um, they, they, when they come out of speed dial... It um, seems to go well. It, yeah, they, 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 it's gone well. Um, and, but um, Elite... Um, what is it? Hope says to Fizz, she's definitely an Elsa and not an Anna. So she's got her number completely. She knows that she's just like a pretty princess, but not much else, which is pretty much what I would I say I think there's a lot her. of Elsa trashing going on in this. I don't remember Anna having an amazing hit song where she built a castle out it's of snow. It's not about songs, is it? It's about the personality, a bit of spark. Anna wouldn't have made a castle out of snow. She would have made something stupid like a dog or something. <laughs> Elsa's like, I'm a queen. I'm on, I'm team Elsa. She had, like, a cape. Anyone's got a cape is automatically, like, one step ahead, as far as I'm right. concerned. She probably, she probably invented sliced butter. <laughs> she, you know, Elsa invented iced butter. <laughs> Wednesday. That, that Wednesday. what is it, what is it, Riven, Rivendell, Rivendell? Yeah. Where do they live? That fortune didn't come from nothing, you know. <laughs> Wednesday, kind of, this is when it moves on to the Abbey Kevin wedding story, You forgot really. to mention what? that um, Alina offers to take them to Gulliver's World. Oh, yeah. All right. Everybody wants to take them to Gulliver's World all of a sudden. <laughs> both the g- girls are like, oh, suddenly... Not during this the pandemic. Is, this is exactly what happens when your parents split up. That Suddenly, the, the presents and the, and the days out come flying at you. <laughs> Wednesday, I'm going to try this again for the third time. Tyrone is trying to go, is suggesting that they go to an ice bar for Kevin Stag do. Who's been such an insufferable. And then boss. and then suggests a uh, silent disco or something as he well. He's going on about all the clubs, the cool clubs. Tim he... thinks Alina has changed him. He's literally known her for like two weeks, and he's suddenly like, I'm surprised he hasn't got an earring. <laughs> Um, so he, he Tyrone gets all offended when he hears Tim bad mouthing his plans. So then Wednesday's episode is Kev trying to sort this mess out. Um, Tyrone's in a mood. Tyrone's in a grump all week, and until he real until he thinks that um, Alina can come along to the wedding with him, can't he? And then he starts barking at the wrong tree. He's with trying her. to ask Tyrone. Ty, trying to ask Abby to get Alina to come to the Hindu. Yeah. Like, and, no, and Abby's I don't even like, know her. I don't know. No, I didn't even know Alina was going to the wedding, actually. Which, and then and Friday's episode was another one of these ones where somebody has to tell somebody some difficult news and then tries to avoid doing it. it all episode until it all comes out. And it's Sally's the one who um, reveals this to everybody later, doesn't she? Ty, Tyrone ends up getting offended because they've said, well, no, Alina can't just automatically come. We invited well, you she's... and Fizz. Well, she's... And then he resigns his best man. What a drama. Yeah, because he's going, oh, I don't mind if we don't sit near the top table, if it's going to cause a drama. And they're like, you're not even invited anymore. Um, have you, I mean, I didn't know whether I had any, a little bit of sympathy for Tyrone, because it, it wouldn't have been, it's not completely unlikely that when the, the invite came, that it was really for him. And the only reason Fizz was invited was because she was his, you know, his girlfriend. So I guess he maybe did think that the, Plus one was transferable. Aren't they all friends? Well, yeah, yeah, they are, I guess, but... I mean, I know that they work together, so he probably does feel like he's more invited. Especially if he's the best man. It's it's me that's invited. He, Sally's right, though. He's being presumptuous and selfish. He's such an ass. I thought he was so annoying. I'm so glad that he um, got told where to go. I wish they'd done it in a bit more of a... Yeah, you know, I know. 
I, my problem with this is I don't really care whether Tyrone goes to the wedding or not. No, I know. Like when, when, he, when he resigned as the best man, it's like, oh, well, Tim so will what? probably do it. Yeah, there's loads. They're all interchangeable, these men. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I think, you know, there, there's so much... Weddings are so fraught with all these questions of etiquette and what do you do and all these difficult social situations that arise that you're not prepared for. You know, I'm sure that proper etiquette would say it depends on how the, uh, the invitations were worded. If it was, um, you know, Abby and... or Mr and Mrs Abby's parents cordially um, invite Fizz and Tyrone to on the occasion of their daughter's wedding or whatever, which is how, you know, it's supposed to come from the mm. bride's parents, isn't it? Um, like, we're inviting you to... Or if it's Tyrone plus one, I doubt it was Tyrone plus one because they know Fizz's name. When you know the partner's name, you name them in the invitation. When you don't know, you put plus one. This wedding's also low-key anyway, I don't isn't think it? Abby and Kevin and probably Kevin, just like, you want to come to the wedding. I don't think Abby and Kevin, like, care... I don't think that they've got they've got like Debrett's etiquette guide out to 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 label up their invitations. Like no, you said, quite. probably didn't even invite them with yeah. a letter. They probably just asked them. Yeah. But so, yeah, the fact that Tyrone's like, oh yeah, well, my girlfriend's coming now, and he was saying, oh yeah, this is really nice because this is going to be the first time that me and Alina have been out somewhere as a couple. Tyrone, you've been shagging her all the way up and down the street for two weeks. <laughs> you took her to Nutsford the other week. What are you talking about? It's not your first debut. You're not like a pair of blushing, like, newlyweds. Debutante. Also, somebody else's wedding should never be about you in any way. It should never be about, oh, look, Tyrone has got his new girlfriend. It should never be, oh, I'm going to announce my pregnancy. It should never be, oh, I'm going to ask my girlfriend to marry me. It never should be about you. It's always about the bride and the groom. I didn't really get why it would be about him. I mean, it, well, would, would everyone would else be that offended? Yeah, I think they would. Who because else is even going to the wedding? It's going to be another one of these, you know, five guest people weddings. People get probably, really weird about other people's relationship status at their weddings. For, for better or for worse, but rightly or wrongly, this is what people are like. Because it und- kind of undermines, you know, the... The, the sentiment of the occasion, which is a unification of two people for the rest of their lives. Some guy rocks up with his new girlfriend he just got two weeks ago after he dumped his partner who's, who's been raising his kids for eight years. Doesn't does it kind of puts a bit of a dampener on things, <laughs> especially when he's the best man and he's going to get up and make a speech and be like, oh, um, good luck, you two. Uh, if any, you know, if anything goes wrong, Tevin, don't worry. We both know how to get a new bird, don't we? <laughs> Just dump the other one. If any any luck, she'll die like the old one did. <laughs> good right. old Molly. Everyone remember her. You um, do, don't you, Jack? Anything else with this story? No. I think... I, I'm glad that Hope decided... I was a bit disappointed in Hope when she was taken to Elena quite so quickly, but I'm glad that she appeared to be just I testing her. I don't know whether being manipulative and evil is really an admirable mm. trait in a little girl. I but... wish that Ruby had said something more. I, we were watching Ruby and going, mm, she lost her cuteness. She she, did, she didn't seem to have her sass, did she? say that about a I know it wasn't child. a sassy scene, but I don't know. Needed a bit more... Give her more attitude. Give her a few more lines and things. Give her Come a on. chance. She's, she's, usually, she's usually great. Right. Don't be Gemma, crashing at Leanne's place. <sighs> more dev greatness in this story. Okay. And we get to meet Corey's dad. 
Well, Monday, this is what happens. Dev decides to try to, time to try to speak to Corey's dad because he reckons he can get Asher home. Because this guy, they've gone off to stay. Asher's gone to stay at Corey's house, right? Mm. So Dev arranges this meeting with Corey's dad. And it was so weird to me because this guy is basically my boss. <laughs> because he owns a small publishing company with distribution centres and he's like super mega rich. Um, that's about where it ends though to be honest and also I like spoken to my boss about three times in one time <laughs> so he's on the phone doing his business deals and Dev's like oh can we talk about our kids and he's like look I don't care I've barely seen Asher it doesn't bother me it doesn't cramp my style I'm not going to get into their business it's, it's I really just feel like this attitude that's um, the difference between having a teenage daughter and having a teenage son. Yeah, well, Stefan was his name, wasn't it? Yeah. He was like, he knew what they were getting up to in the yeah. bedroom. And he's like, well, yeah, well, power to him. If my my son's getting what he needs from Asher. Yeah, when he says that, that was really disgusting. I getting know. what he needs from Asher. Like, she's some kind of sex dispensing machine. Yeah. Um, Bernie's earwigging about this. And Dad's getting really mad. And basically, he reminds him that, like, he is in loco parentis now that she's under his roof. And if anything happens to her, he's going to hold him responsible. And I guess that the... The implication here is that, you know, if we end up with a grandkid in common, it's your fault. Mm. Um, so something seems to get through to Stefan because Corey tells Asher that their dad, his dad is kicking her out because Dev told him to. Asher gets mad and she goes and confronts Dev and he says, I don't care. I win. You lose. Deal with it. And she says, fine, I will. And she goes, she's off to go and live in a hostel. It kind of reminds me of when you're a little toddler and you like pack a lunchbox and leave the house and come back like half an hour later yeah um so he she storms off and then Corey catches up with her and says don't worry i've sorted something much better than than what you what you had planned and it turns out that stefan has only gone and rented them nick and leanne's old apartment complete with all of their cups plates furniture so for a bit strange, but you know, I'm not yeah, going to leave quickly. No time to I'm pack. judge them. Um, and so they're there, like playing happy families. And Dev comes up to see them, and he's got tears in his eyes. He's so sad. He looks like um, Puss in Boots from uh, Shrek with, <laughs> when he's mm. trying to ask for something. Well, you say that they're playing happy families, but I think it really Asher is playing happy families. She's she thinks this is brilliant. They've Neither got their own them. place, and no, they're going to have their dinner parties or whatever. And then Corey just wants somewhere to sit with them play his games Corey just seems to have exchanged whatever whatever hovel he lived in before no I don't think he lives in a hovel because he's Posh dad's hovel. rich he seems to think that he's exchanging all of the things that his mum did for him for whatever Ash is going to do for yeah. him that doesn't that hasn't come up yet but I'm sure that it will at some point if something else more drastic doesn't happen first. So anyway, um, Dev says, oh, I hope you're happy now. And Ash is like, oh, daddy. And Corey's like, oh, look after her now. Go away, basically. So on Wednesday, she's she's enjoying her freedom. But Corey's kind of like, oh, God, this is already too much for me. I don't like your music. I don't really want to go shopping for food. I don't want to go decorating. I honestly, I just want to play my games and be left alone. So um, Asha's such a little swat. She's invited R. Kelly round to do some coursework. And she tells, she's talking to Nina about this. Nina's like, this is all moving a bit fast. Do you think this is a bit strange? She's like, no. Um, Yasmin hears about what's happened from Dev. And he, she says to him, 
I don't like I don't like this Corey. It really feels to me as though he's he's controlling her. But then again, um, I see a bit it everywhere. To this. Like there was a scene a few months ago, wasn't yeah. there, with Yasmin spotting this? So I'm yeah. glad they brought that back up again. So he so Dev says, yeah, I think that Corey manipulates her sometimes, and she says, don't let her isolate herself. The most important thing is that you keep talking to her and don't let her don't let him control her basically because that's what happened to to Yasmin is that slowly Jeff um, alienated every, all of her friends and family. Yeah. So she's like, don't let that happen. So Dev goes round to see Asher. He's got these crisps. Luxury crisps? No. No, they were, they were rashers, bacon rashers. Um, knockoff ones. I don't know whether other countries have these. They're like, what's It's like corn snacks, is it? Like they're yeah, puffy corn snacks like in the shape of a wavy slice of streaky bacon that have this horrible fake, like, I always think that fake bacon tastes a bit farty. <laughs> yeah, I know Don't what you, mean. you? Like, oh, there's a lovely crispy bag of farts. Let's all share them. <laughs> oh, you better eat them quick because they're past their sell-by date. Um, or was it best before? Because I don't think there is a best before when it comes to farty bacon crisps. <sighs> so anyway, that, that he brings them round. I mean, really, he should have brought them food because they don't have any food. They just have crisps food, now. Yeah. Um, he says, I'll give you my blessings. And Ash is like, oh, I don't trust you. But he listens, listens to, um, listen to his advice, which is don't turn into Corey, which I don't see how that, well, that he, mean? He, stay true just, to, oh yeah, she's yeah, basically stay true like, to yourself. Don't, don't, don't just te- do everything he says. Don't go, oh yeah, we're going to do this because Corey says, we're going to eat that because Corey says, make your own decisions, be your own person. Don't turn into Corey's girlfriend. I remember this now. And this is a really important point because this is, this happens to some women. And men, but it seems to happen more to women, where they just kind of turn into a little girl clone of their boyfriend, mm. and they get known as, you know, so and so's girlfriend. Very sad. Um, uh, Corey returns, and he's not happy to see that Deb's there. But when he leaves, um, Corey reminds Asher that they've moved out to get away from him. Then, then Neri turns up, and you know, Corey doesn't say anything about it at the time, but you can tell he's annoyed that. All these randos from, and it's 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 quite notable that Corey doesn't have anybody turning up from his family. Mm. I think that it feels very natural that teenage girls' family units are more protective of them than the boys might be. But it also just seemed like Asha has more people to care for her than Corey does. Well, yeah, Corey's dad doesn't even seem to care. Corey's what dad his son is very laissez-faire, and he feel it feels like he's like money or affection. Well, I'll give you some money. Yeah. Um, so Mary comes round and Corey goes off to get a takeaway. Mary's like, oh, I'll have a stuffed nan, a biryani. She, she has, yeah, she makes a massive order. Um, Devon Ardy sees them coming back from Speedo with all the food. And who gives him a wink? Mary gives him a bit of a wink. Dev. So don't, yeah, Dev. Oh, don't worry, so I'm, don't worry I've got on. an eye on my eye on So, uh, they, they have all dinner together. Then Uncle comes round to find out what's going on and Asha says um, oh I don't think I've ever been happier to Ke- Corey Kelly's been a weird one this week she's, she's had again, like I don't like her again. two scenes I I'm... she's been a cow so basically on Friday um, Asha's, Asha's going oh we should get a kitty and, it, and Corey's like what cat so she's like no like a like a like a fund for buying things it's like oh god you really are I know they're so young, but it kind of takes you by surprise. Yes, you must have some kind of joint funds for buying things mm. like food and saucepans. But Corey probably doesn't understand that, does he? He probably doesn't. He clicks like, his fingers back well, at he home. Says, yeah, he says, well, you know, I'll just take care of stuff today and then we'll sort of talk about it later. Mm. But yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, 
if yeah this is the trouble there's no if there's no equality in this relationship and Corey's like contributing everything it might seem like a good idea from Ash's perspective and it might seem like a logical thing but that's the way you control people Mm. um so anyway um Kelly's R. Kelly's sitting there in the cold in Victoria Gardens all by herself and she sees Corey walking past and she starts making fun of him going oh look at you after with your little gonna go and wash the plates or something and he's like, oh, oh, you're a sad eh? You're sitting here all by yourself. At least I've got somewhere to go. And she goes... He, he insulted her new home situation, didn't he? He's, he's like, like oh, go back boring, to your boring house. Boring old Which we've never actually seen her in. How dare you talk about Toya and Imran like that? They are really great fun. They probably then Peter all those jigsaws that he's working on. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, she says, you, got, you live in a boring house. I'm going to have a party and you're not even invited. See you later, loser. And it's yeah. like, both of you are deeply unpleasant, horrible people. I hope you end up together and I hope you have some kind of horrible fight and both I die in a ditch. I don't think that Kelly is coming off as being deeply offensive and horrible. I didn't say offensive. Well, I'm, I, well you know... I'm I not offended by how lame she is. I, do, I think that they're trying to nicen her up. She's not being nice. She's like, oh, look at you, going off with your girlfriend. She's just jealous. And it's so petty. And I know she is a little girl, really, but I don't have to like her. She's know, immature. She's an immature kind of nasty bully girl, she really. Is, she is a bit of a mean girl, but she was definitely acting But again, nice to, I, to under, I do understand that, that this is some kind of defence mechanism because she's very vulnerable. Mm. But, you know, I said, I've said this my whole life. Just because somebody has a reason for being a dick to you doesn't mean that you have to accept it and it doesn't mean that you have to like it Mm. i can understand very complicated reasons and i can empathize with them but at the end of the day if you're rude to me whether you're having a bad day or not i don't have to take it (laughs) do you see what i'm saying i feel sorry for her but i'm going to say this i also am not a good person (laughs) i'm not a nice person myself to the bone is it what i'm saying they're like looking in a mirror no she can be horrible I can be understanding, but also, because I'm a horrible person, I'll be horrible to her back. Can you see? Yes. Um, do you think that... I think, some, I think sometimes everyone's just too nice to everybody all the time. Do you think that Ash is kind of... <laughs> is she fooling herself here? Does she kind of know? Is well, she being, being willfully blind to his faults? Because... She's so she, She's like, I've got myself in this situation Another now. Girl. I can't I can't turn back. She's she's so kind of mad at her dad, I think, that she wouldn't want to go home with a tail between her legs and admit that he was right all this time. Yeah. But... Well, I also, think it's gonna come. freedom's intoxicating, but she's too young, really. Oh yeah, totally. She's sixteen. Yeah. She can't. She's allowed to go off by herself, I guess. I don't know what the laws are. Oh, I don't know. Well, I don't know, but they, they had a story like this in the early nineties with um, Tracy going off, didn't she? With um, yeah, with her dodgy with her boyfriend. With her, he was he was an older boyfriend, there wasn't he? And, and um, Deirdre was like saying, "You you can't go off and live with him." And we had the same conversations, like you if you try and control. Tracy and try and get her to come back then it's just going to ruin the relationship between you forever and this is kind of what Deb's being this told is a little the bit because part. he was he was um he was almost overreacting on Monday with how mad he was well, about yeah. the whole situation but I think I, I, I quite like him kind of going softly softly this is the hardest part of being a parent surely is watching them make mistakes and knowing that you can't stop them mm. yeah. because you can't because they won't listen to you for number one. And I remember like being a teenager and like being told stuff and be like, whatever. And look back and going, yeah, that was right, actually. But you have to, some mistakes you have to learn yourself. But equally, you know, this isn't the lesson that isn't necessarily Asher needed to learn. But 
she's going to learn it one way or the other, isn't she? Yeah. I, I, I'm wondering whether, like, Ash is in danger at all by being with Corey. Is, it, is she just a horrible situation and that she's being taken advantage of? I think he's an of? emotional manipulator rather than... I don't think he'd be physically... Unless something happened where they were stupid. Like, I can imagine... Honestly, Corey is such an idiot and he's been so closeted mm. his whole life that he probably doesn't really understand or have, have any common sense or anything. Like you know, burning the house down by leaving a pan on or even doing something dumb like, I'm cold, let's have a fire in a in the bin. I just... Like, I, I can just imagine him bringing a bunch of lads home, all of them getting drunk, maybe somebody starts getting handsy with Asha and then there's a fight, somebody puts their hand through a glass window. There's so many things that mm-hmm. irresponsible, silly teenagers or anyone of any age, let's be honest, can get themselves into. Especially if there's there's still this, this whole kind of drugs thing flying around as well. I don't know if drugs are going to come up any, at any well, point. Well, I wonder, yeah, the, the drug dealer's going to go up to the flat going, is this, is this the place where we get the drugs they'll, from? No, they'll, go, they'll, they'll come round to the house and they'll be like, here you go, um, someone will put up for it later and it'll be like a massive bag of heroin and yeah. it's probably like, yay! <laughs> Tell you I, what, this wasn't what I delivered, but it'll do. <laughs> I wonder the, the comparisons are being drawn between Jeff and Yasmin, and that didn't get violent particularly, but it could have done. So there's the if if he's trying to control her and Yasmin's right, but she doesn't play ball. That's the phrase. <laughs> then um, I don't know. Maybe he could. I just because think, I think he's uh, just he kind of likes the novelty of going out with Asher, and this has been a long, long chase for him. But if he I gets tired of her, and if is... she if she's not you know cleaning his pants and cooking his tea, I don't then think maybe this is where like, this well. is going. I feel like the the danger with Corey is his arrogance and his ignorance and his clearly impulsive nature, and none of those are particularly his fault. Uh, he's still very young, and you know, you can excuse some of these things. And he also does not seem to have been raised particularly well. Mm. Um, so I just, I'm just think, looking forward, thinking, I just think, you know, if I was writing the story, some kind of accident would happen or something horrible would happen or, or something stupid mm. they would they would do or Corey would do because when you're young, you do do stupid things. Um, and it is very possible that something terrible could happen. Is Dev going to be left wishing that he hadn't, you know, if they, that he tried harder? Who you knows? can't control them once they get to a certain age. It's really hard, isn't it? Because 16 does seem that much younger than, you know, if she was 18 or so something. 16 is so little. I, I, I'm kind of on Dev's side thinking, oh, no, you, you're right, you do need to try and get her back. And the trouble is about being that age is that you don't know, you don't really don't know that you're, mm. how young you are. And I know that you know, like, if you're that age and you're listening to this, I know you've heard this a million times, you don't believe it. <laughs> I totally understand that. Mm. And honestly, of course, there are plenty of life skills that somebody has developed by the time they get to that age. And actually, I will say too, as well, if you're doing exams, especially if you're GCSEs or anything like that, you're probably going through the most stressful period of your life that you'll ever have. Mm. Honestly, the GC- my GCSEs were my most stressful time of my life. Um, so you certainly are expected to go through some really kind of quite traumatic ordeals at that age. And it feels a bit stupid to say, yeah, you can, you can deal with this stress. Like this is going to, this is going to be the most important thing that like decides your whole life's future. Spoiler alert, it doesn't. <laughs> 
Um, they, that's a, you're allowed to have that put on your shoulders, but you're not allowed to do, you know, X, Y, and Z. You know, can't buy alcohol, you can't, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You can't get a mortgage. I like um, <laughs> I like how Mary's playing this as well, like the little the secret spy. I think I think Corey is going to very quickly just stop letting them come round. I don't think Corey's going to be welcoming Mary and. So Yasmin's right then that he is trying to isolate her. But the thing is, though, I kind of feel like if I was Corey, I'd be the same. Like like Asha, like we're two teen teenagers here. This is like a blimmin. This is like the beginning of like every single like teen fantasy story ever. Two teens hanging out in this like really cool rich I, I know that people it's not a particularly opulent apartment, but to me this is a really nice looking apartment. This is way nicer than our house now. We're like triple their age and we don't live in a yeah. nicer place as that. <laughs> so they're living in this swanky pad and then They've got total freedom to do whatever they want. They seem to have no real worries about money as far as Corey's concerned. And then she's inviting, you know, old Lady Mary and... Yeah, her and, nanny. Yeah, come round, nanny. With and, a little doggy-woggy draft excluder or something, wasn't it? <laughs> it's cramping his style, surely. He's not going oh, to put his foot down eventually. I, I, w- I don't really like people I don't know coming around my house. Mm. If 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 we moved in and the next week you were like, is it all right if my babysitter comes and stays the, for the evening? I'd be like, you, I don't think so. Yeah. Don't think so. It's a shame that we didn't get more of this on Friday, really. It's the same with the Nina story, which was... Seb and Nina was basically just Monday, wasn't it? Yeah. Nina's birthday. Um, this was a really important and interesting scene, wasn't it? Which that bit we the, had, where yeah, she they, what, Oh, this is fantastic. Yeah, the, the, this is why I am a goth scene, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I just like death. And then she licks a knife. She, we, 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 first off, we see Seb bringing her some naff flowers from the shop and um, George... This is her got, birthday. This is her birthday and George sees him. I don't think he takes her the flowers, but George catches him before he gets the chance to and says, look, I think I've got something that Nina's going to like better. And it's these nana flowers from somebody's grand's funeral, but with a little bit of, <laughs> bit of the A first day taken off. So it says Nina. I thought that was such a clever idea. And he's dressed in this top hat and eyeliner looking like... He, look, <laughs> he does look like... Orange or something. No, he looks... Yeah, he does look like that or he looks like um, an extra from Sweeney Todd. Uh, yeah, musical. musical. Ne- Nina is not impressed by this and I thought that she would be but when she explained it, it was like, of course, that's exactly not what you should do because he's dressing up and which is saying you're dressing up but she's like, no, I'm not. This is this is just what I am. I'm not, I'm not playing a character. I'm not, you know, I'm not... In fancy dress, one all of the all of the time. Well, yeah, she's like saying my identity is not your costume, isn't she? Like, um, I, I honestly, I kind of think she was thought it was sort of funny and sweet if he had brought her the flowers by themselves, but because he dressed yeah. up like some kind of Nightmare Before Christmas character. Mm. As well, like he's going, oh, like a for your like birthday. a freak, wasn't it? And she's saying, no, you bet you're he saying I'm a freak, like a freak No, but, but you, he was you know like, yeah, I mean. he was saying like I'm dressing up like you dress up, and she's like, I don't dress up, I just wear These clothes. Are my clothes, yeah. So she goes into this lovely long scene where she we she says about no, it's my identity just as much as like my eye colour is, and we get to hear a little bit about how she got gothified up as she was younger. So she was a bit of a misfit, bit of an odd, oddball, bit of an outcast when she was younger, and then when she was ten, her 
mum got sick and she had to watch her wither away over the course of the next five years. And she was like, I, she said, I, I learned to find the beauty in the darkness of the world, like as a way of coping. Why shouldn't the darkness be as beautiful as the light? Then she's like started to look into goth culture a little bit, listen to the music, getting interested in bats. All these kind of little things came together and to... to turn her into what she is now really she also says i'm not trying to be offensive or ugly or weird this is just how i like to be i would like one thing i would like to say is that it doesn't always have to be this deep like i coronation street is a soap and it's they they've kind of like they've already got this handy backstory for nina that they can link into um why she is why she wears she is, this yeah. stuff and what fascinated her originally but it doesn't you don't have to have an sometimes origin. you just want to rebel you don't have to have an origin story for why you're a goth it's not the same as being a superhero you can just decide that you like the way it looks yeah and nobody else really um can judge you because i mean what by what standard like oh you're just doing it because other people do what like you wearing your blooming like michelle keegan hot pants that you bought off lipsy (laughs) because she advertised it everybody's got their own little tribe and some people's tribes are a bit more mainstream than other people's um and yeah it can be a bit strange and alienating and like this this kind of um very different look and lifestyle that people have but it is appealing in its own way and it's like just as valid and as anyone else's yeah it was it was very 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 it's, well written and it made me made me think about it in a bit of a different way i mean i think everybody has kind of wondered like um what why would why would you want to dress that way to draw so much attention to yourself but she's like saying no i that's not the point of what it is it's just the side effect of of something that i mm. sort of I, it resonates with me yeah and and as it works on seb he's like Oh, I'm sorry I didn't stick up for you. You're the most unique and amazing person that I know. It's, it's <laughs> also bloody sweet, wasn't it? It was really cute. It was very. It, it then, was a kind of a turning point for us to to get a better insight into Nina. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like as I think I was saying on the podcast last week, Nina went through a huge stage last year where all she was doing was commenting on people's, you know, Bacon choice of yeah, and, and plastic cups in the in the cafe and um, this is this is fantastic and the little scene at the end where they say oh I think I like you more than I like more than just like and they were like I think I like you more than like as well let's like each other more than like together it was really 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 lovely see this is the thing Seb as a character seems to do this um, on and off but he something about him he's kind of so vulnerable in a way that whenever he falls for a girl it feels really honest mm. and um real in a way that some other relationships don't really and and it feels a bit unfair on other people's relationships because honestly let's just face let's just face facts here Nina and Seb's relationship feels way more real and um charming and uh I'm more invested in it that in the space of well, how long? A month, two weeks. Under a month. Yeah. I feel way more invested in their relationship than I do about Adam and Sarah. Yeah. And they they started they, like they they got engaged during a blooming gunfight at Christmas. Because no, there's no romance. It's all just about the smouldering yeah. looks and oh, I'm the most handsome. There's person definitely on the a street. really big difference between romance and sex appeal yeah and coronation street tries More. really hard to shortcut the romance by just going look at how horny they are yeah but i mean even with craig and faye there's that wasn't the same was it but I, they still don't work in the same way they tried to make them romantic but they just didn't seem to 
There's got to be a chemistry to be the chemistry. Like, I don't think there is between think those two. Particularly, no. If you told me that they were secretly um, long lost brother and sister, I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, makes more sense. Yeah, okay, so that's it. We didn't seem to be talking as long this week about it. I mean, the, I, I don't Just know. I was asleep. You, you were asleep. You woke up. You did. You done a I much did, better job in the second half of this. Oh, thanks. Um, and and I don't know. I, I kind of stayed relatively <laughs> average throughout. So uh, oh, I I um. I was definitely going into tonight's episode thinking this is, this is a pretty solid week. Maybe not so much as last week, but then yeah, it just the, the Peter stuff. It just didn't hook me today. It wasn't that exciting, and we the fact that we didn't get any more of the the Sabinina stuff. Um, I know, Fizz I kind loved, of disappeared out of it. I love the snarky. I love Sharon. George. Love Sharon, absolutely. I lo- yeah, I love Todd. Like actually realizing that death means death. For yeah. young and old, and he needs to be respectful. Yeah. Um, I loved um, Nina's I loved, speech, like we just said. Yeah. That that kind of Jenny catching on to Sharon was great. Lots of really great stuff. Really, there was there was, and but, even the awkward birthday party. That's not a surprise. Oh, I love Sharon dancing at the birthday yeah. party. There, there was a lot to. Oh, you maybe you convinced me. I I was gonna go. <laughs> what are you gonna give it? I don't know. What are you thinking? I'm 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 thinking of maybe like. <laughs> Let's negotiate. Okay, well, I'm going to go. I'm going to go three and a half out of five. I was thinking three earlier, but you've convinced me. I think three me. and a half three is and fair. Three and a half. I'm going to give it three. Three and a half. Massive inflatable willies out of five. Which you should. Sorry, bring everybody to on, a the podcast, uh, on the podcast. On the podcast Facebook group, I got in there before you did because it's Friday. I'm going to give it um, three and a half common rumbles because I absolutely adored. <laughs> I never thought of this way, this way, but um, the song. The Wimbles of Wimbledon. Wimbles of Wimbledon. The Wimbles of Wimbledon. <laughs> I didn't ever think of it that way. But yeah, Tom was going, I thought here with they were saying, Common are we? <laughs> <laughs> that That's was, so that was funny. a great line, I did like that. Um character of the, the week Wombles. this week. Um I mean it, it, it's it could be Sharon again, it really, really could. With Tracy Bennett is just doing magnificently, isn't she? Yeah. She's so so good. What I'm a brilliant give it to her. actress. I mean, Sam was great. George and Todd, so I, I love. Seven, Seb and Nina were great. Oh, Asha, yeah. Asha's good. Nina. Dev's good. It was a fantastic week. Really, it wasn't for fantastic. Char- for character work. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, I guess so. It, it was, but then the when, they tried, to, when they tried to do a bit of action and excitement well, on, on thing, Friday, it? it didn't, it it's not didn't John really Wick. work. It's not John Wick, it's Coronation Street. Mm. Um... And also, the guy's got a dodgy liver. There's not really much he can do. I think I'm going to go Sharon as well. I'm just fascinated by the conflict within her brain about, you She's know, so should I be when doing was, this or not? When she was crying, um, when she sort of had tears in her eyes, when when uh, he was talking, when Sam was talking about Oliver, Yeah. It, I did feel really bad, though, because I was like... I can see why she's sad, but I don't think this would make me cry. I don't think I'm really horrible. <laughs> um... I mean, Maybe is, I would. Is, I is, are the tears enough to to you know get her off the hook no. with the fact that she was I have said it trying to manipulate Sam? I said it before and I say it again. This is probably my dad's influence on me because my dad was always like this. You don't get a reward for doing what you should have done, and you don't get let off just because you're sad that that you've done something wrong. Mm. I, I and the worst part is not just that. It's not just saying oh I regret what I did. It's, I regret what I'm doing, and I'm still doing it. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sad. Like, so Alina and Tyrone, oh dear, so sad. Oh, but we'll carry on. Same with Sharon. 
You can't be she, se- you can't you can't expect sympathy when you're still continuing the behaviour that's supposedly causing you such anguish. And she, like at the end of Wednesday's episode, she was left distraught on the phone with when Harvey puts the phone down her, and she clearly doesn't want to be doing she this. Really but then is the beginning by the beginning of Friday's episode, she's back to being manipulative again, and we don't kind of see why why does she? She's definitely why caught, is she okay with it again on she's Friday? She's caught morning? between this idea of family loyalty. The fact that all these people are fairly anonymous to her mm. after so long. The fact that she's got nothing and she's being offered everything and the fact that she's scared of Harvey. Mm. All of those things are very compelling reasons for her to continue what she's doing. There's really no reason for her to stop now. Mm. Out of the goodness of her heart, what? To, to, to save somebody that she doesn't really know, she's going to get herself but in trouble and she's going to end up with no money. That Sam's kind of tugged on her little heartstrings. It would tug on your heartstrings. It would tug on your heartstrings, but at the same time, is he going to be paying into your pension? <laughs> no, he's not. I wonder whether at the end of this, Sharon's going to be the one that's in witness protection. Ooh. We know a little switcheroo. Go and stay at that flat. Come back in another 20 years. Go live under under Asher's bed. <laughs> right. Um, I think that's it then. Should we, should we finish there and move on to the next section? Let's do a bit of news. Yeah. <laughs> that's Gemma's real. We're going to have a cup of tea. Oh, okay. I'm going to make some tea. Yeah. And then we'll come back and see what's going on in the news. Okay, news time. I made my tea. I made a mistake when I was making the tea. Because you made the tea wrong three times. I, I, I think if it, it's probably fairly obvious if you've been listening to the Street Talk Texan. Section. I can't talk. I'm a bit tired. I'm knackered today. Nobody can't get my words out. Podcast. Can't make my tea. Um... But yeah, I put milk in, in my tea when I'm having it black at the moment. And then I went and put sugar in my tea. My second attempt at tea when I don't have sugar in my tea. So, but I'm okay now. I've got my plain black tea. What boring, boring... Friday night. What's going on in the news? Black well, tea. Coronation Street has got another award nomination in the BAFTAs, don't you know? Best Soap and Continuing Drama. That's the one that Casualty always seems to win. Oh. And this, this year, EastEnders... Corrie, Hollyoaks and Casualty are fighting for their, oh, uh, the, the top list. slot. They're you on the shortlist. I said nomination. I uh, said nomination. Well, Emmerdale hasn't. What's going on down in the Dales? Doesn't or up really in the Dales? if it's like, there's five people and only four of them get on the list. I know. It was like, who's going to be the outcast this year? Yeah. It's literally one... One, one, one can't up. get in it unless maybe they put Holby in What sometime. about doctors? Oh, well, yeah. Maybe, maybe doctors like, do you want to be friends with me? Yeah, Emma Dale. No. <laughs> Leave me alone, you loser. <laughs> anyway, good luck, Coronation Street, with that. Um, now, usually, well, for the past few years at least, Coronation Street has been um, nominated for the must-see moment of the year. And we make jokes about it, all these magnificent speeches that the characters yeah. are doing. We're like, oh, going for the BAFTA must-see moment. But alas, not this year. Estenders has got it. Well, Estenders has got the, the soap nomination um, for Grey Kills Chantel. And that was, um, that was apparently... Well, I, I've actually seen this. It was quite good. It was at the end of um, another... Spoilers. I think it was a coercive control story. I don't know. So, or domestic abuse or something. And it's the one where, she, where this woman falls backwards. Uh, Into a knife. Yeah. I know about this. This happens all the time. Oh, I was going to tell you that stuff. Oh, sorry. Can't the, the, knives that, the, the knives are in the dishwasher spike upwards and then oh, she gets conflicted. pushed down and stabs herself in the back. Who loaded the dishwasher? This was apparently a long because time. Because it could be her own fault. No, apparently there was, a, there was a line in the show like months and months and months beforehand where somebody tells her, no, you need to put them spike upwards. Also, I don't know anyway. Put them spike up 
upwards in case you need to leave the show suddenly. I'm going to say, good luck EastEnders. Carry the soap flag for us, but just let us have it back next year, please. It is a bit of a shame that in the BAFTA year, or the BAFTAs following Coronation Street's 60th anniversary, the Corrie, the Corrie didn't get a nomination there. How and it's not like, like Corrie didn't get... Have, have some amazing scenes last year, but oh well. Good luck EastEnders on that one, but don't win the main so you, one because Corrie should. Say what Corrie, I mean, what the soap thing was, but you never say what it's going up against. Well, I have. Oh, no, what for this? Yeah. There was a goggle box thing. What? There I was. Um, goggle box? There was. Um, Nigella Lawson's Micro Ave was another must-see <laughs> moment. Are you joking? No, no. Literally, nothing in Coronation Street last year was, was as good, good as Nigella Lawson saying Micro Ave. And that wasn't even, like, that was just a joke, but people went too far with not understanding that she was being sarcastic. I know. But then other people were saying, oh, it's typical. I'm just seeing if I can find I'm just seeing if I can find it. Here we go. Virgin Media's must-see moment. So we got... Um, Bridgerton, spoiler having happens because oh, we may end up watching past series one, oh, episode, episode one. one. Oh, we got diversity doing their thing at the uh, at the Britain's oh, the Got BLM. Talent, the BLM thing. There's Grey and Chantel. I'm just t- clicking through my iPad here. Baftas, uh, no Gogglebox, ba- Gogglebox. For- Let me read it. He's illiterate. Reactions to Boris Johnson's press conference. And it's got those two of them looking at each other. (laughs) Mandalorian, spoiler, for the the end of the the last season. And Nigella, cook, eat, repeat, spoiler, she doesn't know how to say microwave. (laughs) That's enough, BAFTAs. But it might get mentioned again later on in the news with something else that I've realised that I've put in here. Also on the subject of awards... No British Soap Awards again this year, Gemma. That's a bit gutting. Oh, no, what's Phil going to do? It's kind of understandable because it's usually, when is it, at the end of May, early June, we have the British Soap Awards, so it would have been a month away, and, yeah, maybe we're not ready to crunch and jam-pack all of our beloved soap stars into <laughs> into a hot, like sweaty theatre in London. But I like the way you were going to say crunch and you changed it to jam. Was I? You went, you were not going to crunch, jam-pack. I don't know. Um... Yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a shame that they can't do an online awards. I mean, lots of other awards are happening, like the BAFTAs. You know what I think? I think it's Philip Schofield going. I'm not doing a Zoom thing. <laughs> my whole my whole thing is I get to go in a hotel and spend the night and have whatever I want from the minibar. I'm Philip Schofield. It's going to be two years I in eat a row. Macadamia nuts. Two years in a row, um, where Corey doesn't get a chance to. Prove that they're the best soap on the planet. I think it's a crock. And, and again, after I think it's Coronation Street's 60th failing. anniversary, there would have been some big, you know, outstanding achievements. Yeah. Or st- it's yeah. a shame. There's, I, there's think no, it's a, I don't think there's a good reason for there's it. No, I don't think there's a good reason. I think it's a stunning lack of imagination and everybody else has managed to do their jobs. Tell you else who else managed to do an awards this year during a pandemic. Conversation Street. We never stop. You'll never stop us. And we had Shelley King given an acceptance speech. We had, we had Jack people. P. Shepherd given an Can acceptance we, speech. Li, li. We had Ryan Russell given an acceptance speech. We've had more acceptance speeches and awards in the past two years than the British Soap Awards. Given out. And we don't even have yeah. We don't, and we don't even have to pay Philip Schofield. Anyway, I've lost track of where it's supposed to be now. I think it was supposed to be it would last year it was supposed to be in London. This year I guess it was supposed to be in Manchester again. 
So maybe it's back in London next year. I don't know. I assume and hope it's going to be back on again next year. Get somebody so else we can to go like along it. there. Um, and finally, um, Catherine Tilsley was I'm apparently. Really, I really, I really, really hate Philip Schofield so much. I don't know why. Gemma does not like Philip Schofield. <laughs> He's um, got an irrational hatred <laughs> yeah. of the beloved TV presenter. Scoth, with his stupid gopher hand. <laughs> what? <laughs> when he did he used to have a gopher friend. Oh, God, the gopher. Yeah. I thought that was Andy Crane or... Phil- who, or uh, well, who did... Did they all have little puppets? Maybe. Um, well, this is going to bother me now. Right. Catherine Tilsley was apparently going to be back in Corrie last year for the Ollie story. I was gutted when I read this that she didn't come back because um, she'd signed up to do Viewpoint. And let's not even talk about Viewpoint because we all know what the news is with that this week. Um, she said... So it, probably some people don't know. Don't look it up. She said... Spoilers. <laughs> Yeah, it was Philip Schofield and Gordon the Gopher. Okay, Thanks fine. Very much. Fine. So Catherine Tilsley says it was so unfortunate that I already signed up to do Viewpoint in the dates. We just couldn't make it work. As a Corrie fan, I felt like I'd let people down because I really, I'm not one of those actresses that will say, "No, I'm done with Corrie. I won't go back." I felt like they presented me with this storyline, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, yes, of course she'd be there. It's her sister." And I was just really gutted actually that we couldn't make it work. Talking about a future return, Catherine added. Oh, I just copied this from Tinder Spy. <laughs> of course I'd knit back. Of course I would. <laughs> I can't what do it. Like? No, that was bad. Joe, can you do a Catherine? Can you do an Eva laugh? What? Oh, there we go. There we go. I don't know how to do it. Um, <laughs> it's a, really... That wasn't just Gemma drunk on the cider that she's been drinking. I haven't dr- Shut up. <laughs> oh, that would have been such. That would have been so brilliant having um, Eva in it this year. I wonder whether they'd have got her Toya and um, Honestly, Leanne around the bed more. What a, what a missed opportunity. It sucks. But to be honest, if they were to bring her back and reunite her with Leanne and Toya, I'd rather they had fun. And they were like the the like this united yeah, sisterly because they would have just been arguing and crying and being sad and scenes God, of I miss Eva so much. I know scenes of Eva going oh poorly, you know, and like well, yeah. I think everyone cried enough. I think there was enough tears. I haven't heard. I about... can't see that. I honestly don't think that the story missed her, and I don't want to be mean because I think that she's a great character. I just think that there were so many other things happening. I don't we... feel like. We were more saying, where's, where's Stella? Stella? Where's Les? Yeah. Um, I, I don't think I was saying, where's Eva at all, but I would not have said, no, that would have been, that would have been good. No, but you're right, you're back, right. She for, look, if she had come back, story. they would have written beautifully for her. She would have performed it fantastically. It would have been heart-wrenching and, and lovely, but we probably wouldn't have seen something from somebody else that we enjoyed because That's everybody true. stepped I mean, up we to did, play. We did enjoy a lot of that story and yeah. they'd have had to have edged out maybe... Maybe Best Sarah Lou or something. When Ollie died. <laughs> I'm being anyway, really horrible today, aren't I? Come back, Catherine. I haven't heard anything about um, how she... I've heard I'm that, only joking. I love everyone. I've heard that viewpoints seem... People seem, <laughs> people seem quite they, to enjoy it, but I don't, well, know, what, I don't know what they're saying with her. I don't know how um, Catherine Tilda's character has been in that, but good luck. It's nice to see that she's getting some of the work. Really unfortunate for Catherine. It's really not her fault. It's so sad that what's happened with this viewpoint thing. It's never going to be shown again, probably. Mm-hmm. Because of one person. Yes. Mm, we're not talking about him. Let's move on and do I some... Think we're, we're being too cryptic. It's not really fair. You shouldn't have to then. do additional research to listen to a podcast. Noel Clark, we mentioned him last week. He is the star of... Is he the star of it? He's like yeah. a presenter. Not presenter. <laughs> he's producer, the... I mean to say. Director. Like He's been really influential. He's just one of after as well, hasn't he? 
um, and he has been accused of sexual harassment by 20 different women and there is a lengthy report about it in the guardian if you would like to read up about what it is that he has been accused of doing and so basically it's everything he's worked on is being chucked in the bin and this is the sad bit about that obviously people deserve justice he hasn't been tried in a court yet or had any kind of investigation done as far as I'm concerned beyond what happened with the Guardian. So who knows what's true and what isn't. But this happens so often to really good people who work on projects, creative projects with people who turn out to be horrible, you know, criminals, some sometimes criminal behaviour that they've they've done. And and everything that they worked on gets thrown in the bin and nobody can admit to enjoying it ever again. Mm. And um this project that Kath did and couldn't do Corey for now no, it's, yeah. kind of it's sullied it's by been, his tarnished by the, is, by the tarnished his guy well. um and his behaviour allegedly. <laughs> um so I didn't sad. tell you, you know my colleague at school is friends with the head of scheduling at ITV yeah. and last night I texted him saying, oh, what does, what's he said about this? And he did text it because he's got a little oh, group, really? got a little group chat because he went, he went to university with him uh-huh. and, and they were in this group chat, they were saying, what's going on? What's going on? John, I think his name is. And he was just silent. There was nothing of from him. Of course he's and not going to say anything. And then they were saying, oh, he's not saying anything. That means some of that. But yeah, so it was... I, they were probably muted for eight hours after the first... I, like, I imagine that when this broke last night, it was all, his you know, first, panic stations at ITV. I doubt his what first do now? concern was, must catch up the lads on this bit <laughs> of bounce that I've got. <laughs> right, now we're at the end of the news. Let's finish off with a bit of feedback. Okay, so we have got... It was a high-scoring week on the Facebook group and on the podcast last week. We both gave it fours last week, didn't we, Corey? And 3.97 was the score that our Facebook group settled on. On average, awful lot of fours last week, including four love children of Sally Metcalf and a hat, (laughs) which is what Emma scored it. Briante gave it three and a half trash bag goths. My pick of the week, though, is from Shari, because this is a podcast reference and not a Corey reference. Shari voted it four mystery mashed potatoes in Gemma's sleeve. Found any other um There's no mystery. Any other root vegetables or anything? <laughs> various sec- well, secretly wanna... hidden up your person in the past week. Michael. <laughs> no carrots up your no, jacks or... Can you be quiet about my orifices? <laughs> and That's really inappropriate. Right. Um, we have got an email here from somebody new. This is a new listener called Sean, who says that he is a recent convert to our podcast and a curry watcher from the US for about four years now. Now, Sean says, you brought up on episode 467 the lack of lesbian storylines on curry for some time, and it is truly puzzling. Speaking as a gay man, I appreciate the fact that we have multiple gay men on the show that are well integrated into the community, but I do worry for the lesbian slash bisexual representation. If you look at the track record for the handling of lesbian storylines on the series, it's pretty abysmal. We've had two incidents of death falling into the age-old trope of bury your gays, where killing off a lesbian lover is just the easiest route out of a story. And now, after a serious gap of time since the departure of Sophie, um, we were treated to that other time-honoured tradition of queer baiting. As Gemma pointed out, young, confused, lesbian, bisexuals and so on need some form of representation to normalise their feelings. And the recent Nina and Asha story just felt like a real disservice. It continually feels like there is some larger plan we just aren't seeing yet, which, if that's the case, why treat Seb like that if the end game is to put Nina and Asha back together again? It is a confusing mess. 
and an unfortunate one. Love the show and thank you for your time. Oh, you're welcome. That's all right. Um, what do you reckon, Gemma? I mean, I've already said... Um, I think Sean is just in agreement, basically. <laughs> I... Oh, it's just really feels frustrating because they know what to do and they know why it's important and they just haven't done it yet. And I guess, you know, they might argue, well, we've got to make sure we've got the right story. We don't want to rush it and get it wrong. But I think they've already done that a couple of times already. Why why stop now? You know what I mean? You can get it right if you try. Mm. Um, uh, <sighs> diversity that... is such an important thing. Coronation Street is working hard in some aspects, but not in others, and it just feels a bit... I mean, it's not not Coronation Street's fault that Brooke Vincent went off to have a baby, is it? Maybe if Sophie was still in the show. Yeah, it's her Maybe fault. her and Nina would have got together or something. I mean, this and is if, the if, if advantage of having lots of gay men as characters, is that they don't go off and get pregnant. Very true. So, then what are we supposed to do? I'm, I'm not complaining that Kate left the show because she was a bit of a pants character. Bavna, I'm really gutted that she yeah, left no, it. That she was her decision. She's dead. And, and, and they decided, she decided that it would be better if she was killed off. Um, and I think if, if Sophie had gone and then be like, oh, we need to keep the numbers up and then they brought another lesbian in, maybe it would just feel like, well, this, is this anything other than the Sophie replacement? I don't know, they just haven't... I and, haven't and I still. in it, that's the trouble. They they haven't they haven't fully, but I still think that, you know, both Nina and Asher, I'm not discounting them ending up together as cute as I think that Nina and Seb are. Oh, I don't. I really want Seb and Nina to make it. I really, really do as well. I'm not. I I, I said I, I really feel like I was true to what I felt at the time about Nina and Asher. Where I was like, I'm okay with this if it continues, but I'm also. Not sure. Mm. I think um, it'd just be quite refreshing if they brought in, you know, a lesbian married couple. Yes, that's a perfect point. That aren't going to go off with anyone else. They're ready made. And can I just point out, like, you, what I just mentioned about the pregnancy thing, it's, it's kind of a very real issue that Coronation Street need, does need to think about. Um, why not? Why not have an older lesbian couple? Yeah. I don't know whether any of the other soaps have got that, but... Because guess it, what? They exist. And they're also bloody cool and if, as well. If they, if they... Old, older lesbian couples who like have seen everything and they're over it. <laughs> That's my one. Like a really cool, you know. Oh man, it, there's so there's such a great opportunity. I, I just for want having... I want there to be a, a, a storyline. The problem with the gay characters at the moment is that it feels like they're all just going back and forth between each other mm. because there aren't very many of us. So You're I'm totally gonna, right. A's going to date B, couple. then A dates C, then B dates yeah. C, and then A, B, and C have a bit of a threesome. <laughs> uh, <and> the... <laughs> Has that happened? <laughs> You're and... right. A, a married couple or or um, a couple that hurt a long time. That aren't going to stray. As tempting as what it a may great be. Idea. Thanks. The the trouble is that if it's an older couple, you're not going to get all the young teens getting oh and starting a Tumblr page about. But you shouldn't be. Them. You shouldn't be doing bringing that. that but that's a, that's you know. You shouldn't be bringing those characters in just to get that to happen. That's that's. I know. A sadly, I think that's where they've gone wrong in the past. Mm. Yeah. Because all because as you know, as much as young people. Um, want somebody that they can relate to also it would be nice if they had somebody to look up to yeah definitely what definitely. i don't i'm i i'm not i'm not a lesbian so i don't know what you know are, are there role models like that or right there must be 
but Coronation Street could do something really cool mm. Mm. by having this couple who were just just a solid. That would be lovely. I'd love that. Maybe I never realised how much I would like that, but I really, really would. Well, they'd have to kick somebody out at the moment because I think they're fully they're fully booked up in the houses, fully fully crammed in. Um, I'm saying get rid of Kathy and um. Go Kathy Kathy and Kathy and Brian, Brian from above the cabin. Or, you, I say that they're fully, but I don't know. And I've forgotten that the um, the streetcar's flat was is it that yeah. was was uh, vacant. Um, oh, now I'm really in love with the, this idea. Still that house next to the uh, lawyer's office, isn't there? And I still also think, yeah, you're right. I also think that Dee Dee is a lesbian, but I think that would it would be a bit too odd to have two of Ed's children turn out to be closeted gays and he was against it and had to be won over. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. would be a bit strange. But I really, I don't know when I decided that Dee Dee was a lesbian, but um, I'm really invested in that idea as well. I... I'm like as the years go by, I'm less and less thinking we're actually going to see her. I don't know. Maybe it's going to be like one of these characters that will just drop out of existence, and there'll be retcons, and she about. won't even yeah. whatever ever existed. Right. Thank you very much, Sean, for um, for for your oh, fantastic I just spilled tea down my front. There no. you go. There's Gemma's. <laughs> there's Gemma's food mishap of the week. I wanted to say something so much. I took my t- drink out of my oh. mouth before I'd finished drinking. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I really appreciate people who have a bit more of a handle on what they're talking about because I don't have any clue what I'm talking about when I'm talking about what it's like to be somebody gay who's watching the show hoping to see something of myself in it. Um, So I appreciate people giving a perspective. And it's nice to hear also from a gay man who thinks, yeah, they're doing something right here with the way that they're representing yeah, came in on the show, and it's also really lovely to think of that as a, a like the heritage of Tony Warren, who originally began the show as a gay man. He was he was openly gay in the industry. He was mocked, and um, you know, not respected by some people that he worked with for years, who took his create his creative work, and you know, didn't still didn't respect the man who who made it. Mm. To think that the legacy of his show is people who can be who they are without shame and tell stories about that, you know, 61 years on. I think that's quite lovely. Isn't it nice? Yes. Richard has emailed us. Gemma, you can do this one. He says... Richard loved tonight's Corrie. I've seen on the Facebook group. Yeah. He said it was an epic first uh, first set of episodes (laughs) and I was like, Fridays episode. Fridays, and I was like, I, I didn't think it was that good. It's but I'm okay. glad you enjoyed it's it, okay Richard. It's okay that he doesn't agree with you, Michael. You sound so crestfallen. No, it's okay, it's fine. I, I, I always get a bit jealous when people love episodes, oh, okay. and I don't. But anyway, what's Richard got to say about um, recent goings-on, Gemma? In my opinion, Coronation Street has been excellent recently, and I would struggle to find anything negative to say. As a veteran viewer, both in age and the length of time I've been watching, I remember Sharon. She was always feisty, but it's taking it to another level in her storyline. I enjoy listening to and revisiting the character profiles and listen to the Tyrone one last week. I pride myself on having a great memory, but I've completely forgotten that Kirsty was a police officer, although I remembered that her dad had been. I'd forgotten that bit. Yeah, I forgot. Together we know everything. <laughs> um, and he says thank you for the podcast. 
Thank you, Richard, for writing in. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we, we, um, we put up the uh, discussion on character comebacks on YouTube this week, didn't we? Which was done in episode, what was it, 168 or something of the podcast? We recorded yeah. this um, one of the times that Jenny returned. So on her, you know, she came back, she did a bit of baby dangling, went away again and then came back and then this was recorded then. So there's been an awful lot of characters that have come back to the show since then. So we had another little discussion that we recorded and tagged on the end yes, of it on YouTube. Yes, there is bonus content on that YouTube about some returns episode. that have happened since. So, um, exclusive YouTube that sort content. Of thing sounds like interesting to you. Head All over to YouTube and have a listen. Um, Rebecca, her, her comments on last week's. I agree with you saying that Corey is trying to make the viewers sympathise with Tyrone, especially the scene when Alina is sympathising with Hope and Ruby. However, I'm still on Team Fizz and felt for her when she saw Alina and Ty giggling away as they got into the taxi, even though it's probably not the legal move. So I'm. Ooh, why there's a little burp then? Excuse me, it's this black tea. You don't need to hear about it. I'm so glad Fizz changed the locks. I've... Oh, we've had so many people having like quite irate, impassioned discussions about is it, who's the right, can she change the locks and it's not even her house. Like, I did really, I looked up all of this and I at one point knew the answer to this. I think because they cohabited, she has certain rights as a tenant, but I don't know how much rights she has over to the house itself because of their status mm. as a couple. But I think if she contributed to the upkeep of it, she can claim back some interest, like financial stake in it. I'm really, it's the, honestly, it seems like a bit of a grey area to me. And um, as much as I... I don't know, I really think that the the law feels like it's not protecting people where it it needs to be but I don't again I don't want to drag people into um agreements with one another when they don't want to be you know the last thing I want is to impose upon people that don't want it some kind of legal framework that is basically a marriage when they didn't ask for it but at the same time think about somebody like Fizz where and pretend for a minute if you don't that you like her and you imagine that she's you know not done anything wrong in this relationship she's got she's got two children and then tyrone suddenly decides it's my house get out what would what does she supposed to do if she has no legal rights to stay Mm. it doesn't feel right to me that there's no protection for that circumstance so imagine there's more to it than not what i have learned but yeah the the whole thing that's really interesting to see where people um stand on this issue of who's right and who's wrong yeah, yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, Tyrone moved out of his own accord as far as it, I can exactly. see. Exactly, he's the And he's it the really, this is the out, trouble. So. They say this about, I don't know, because I, I read lots of dramas about legal dramas, like real life people relationship problems on Reddit about, you know, people getting, breaking up or whatever. It does really feel as though if you leave, you have kind of admitted that you're mm. ceding the house to the other party yeah. so tell you what coronation street could get a wealth of stories from the red to the like relationship advice subreddit no, then nobody would believe half of them and i don't <laughs> think half of them are true but there's some right juicy ones on there i'm going to carry on rebecca's email tweets she says i really enjoyed the scene with fid and Ez. nice to see it interact yes i said that you said fid Fid and Ez. <laughs> Fiddy. <laughs> Fiddy and Ez. She likes seeing Ed interacting with more people and enjoyed Emma not being totally happy with Tyrone moving in instead of her in her ditzy way, agreeing with it. I also think this story might last a lot longer than people expect, maybe even till Christmas. 
Great to see Sharon mm. back. I loved all the name dropping she was doing, especially the Duckworths, Curly and Terry. I also enjoyed Jenny getting some screen time too and, in, and loved her scenes with Gemma. One thing However, that you said, Michael, is that what? you wanted them to make Uber Doobers and they didn't. I did. I wanted them to have an Uber Doober at the cocktail party the other day. Maybe Uber Doober has got bad memories for Gemma. I think they probably just remember seeing the back of the toilet bowl. See, Sharon was given a red cocktail as yeah. well, wasn't she? I was like, is that an Uber Doober? Is, is that like a little bit of a, you know, a nod and a wink to people? that like say hashtag bring back Henry I think so um, however Sharon is definitely up to something Jim yep. Rebecca says you're right and like Michael I know spoilers so I can't really go too much into it I enjoyed Jenny blaming the atmosphere in the Rovers on the pandemic mm-hmm. loved Seb and Nina this week and even though she's mad at him at the moment I think they're going to get back together who I think it's I, true love who do I prefer out of Seb and Asher for Nina though I don't know I like them both I was right though about Harry pulling off a goth look and I loved Abby teasing him about his dancing. <laughs> loved the Nina and Roy scene, so sweet. And I loved how Roy wasn't happy about Nina and Seb stopping over. He said it in his Roy way, which was adorable. I mean, yeah, we didn't have any Roy this week, did we? No. That was, that was what this week was like. Not as good as last week. Oh, I'm looking out. forward to seeing where the Seb and Nina story goes. Surprised that Faye got three years. I know she would be found guilty, but not three years. I don't think she'll be she'll serve that full sentence. She though. did try to kill a man. Yeah, I'm I'm watching Deirdre in prison. Did I, I did I talk to you about this off the podcast or on the podcast last week? I can't remember. But off, I think. tell you what, I mean, I, I mean, I think I did. I took for granted how awesome Anne Kirkbride could be at times sometimes because she's just brilliant in these prison scenes, and it's really making the prison seem like at a, a, a hellhole pit of despair whereas at the moment whenever somebody in Coronation Street goes into prison it's, it's like just like the youth group it, it is really and and it's nice and everything and it's about rehabilitation but th- this this De- Deirdre in prison storyline really shows that you don't want to be going to prison especially if you're innocent that's a bit rubbish really <laughs> she didn't do any I of do it. remember I do think that Coronation Street had the characters had a more negative experience in prison up, in, up until very recently. I don't know if somebody has... They've they've taken advice from somebody or, you know, some group has said, you know, please, can you be a bit more positive? We want to get, get our numbers up back in the prison because people don't want to go anymore. I mean, I know you, David had his... You're making it look bad. I know David had his riot there a few years ago, but he well, was that, still having a pretty chill time up see, until that, that point. Yeah, that was probably the only negative recent experience. But I'm thinking of things like when Fit Was it... Who went in? Was it Fizz? Yeah, Fizz was in prison. With um, Hope. Yeah, yeah. And she had a... I think she was bullied in things. And it felt like... It felt more tense. And it felt, like, threatening. It did. But, I mean, I, I honestly, this this Deirdre in, in prison is, well, is no, another level. Yeah, but well, that is fantastic. Because she's, she's, going, she's going nuts. And, um... It and just it's feels like, like... Going to prison, Corey now is like, oh. Yeah, oh, we'll get a new set to go to for a little bit. It and just me- feels maybe like being my told. going to be nasty. It feels about as inconvenient as being told to go to your room. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? You're go right. Go and sit on the naughty step. It's like that that con- inconsequential. Mm. They have got to do something about it. And um, Rebecca says she's glad that Gary's out of prison now and I also and also it was great to see Izzy back even though it was just through a Zoom call. I love the realness of her wincing in her chair. Kathy Troll's mm. stories are feeling like, "Oh, we didn't get any of that this week, did we?" 
Five out of five. Kathy Troll stories filler, but I found the foreign and Kathy scenes so sweet this week. I also enjoyed Kathy giving Elaine and Yasmin the dressing gowns as well, and also Kathy's mm. hoarding starting to be brought up too. Mm. Finally, love the punch from Adi to Corey. He yeah, deserved I forgot it. About that. And also have love how petty Dev is being to Corey. <laughs> yeah, we didn't see a whole lot of Adi this week, did we? I, th- I think there was a bit where he said he would talk to Asha, but I don't think he did. And then he was definitely there walking two metres behind Dev in that scene where Mary's coming back. Oh, yeah. yeah, but um, oh, I, I, I was just... Uh, more, I, more Ardu, he's just brilliant. You know what I thought, so, so though? Good. That didn't Can't come up. Yeah, he's brilliant. Didn't come up, and they didn't address this in the show, but, but I, I manifested it out of some kind of husk of my soul that's still left after hating Philip Schofield or making jokes about sick children today. I apologise, by the way. Um... When I saw Asha walking back from Speed Doll with a bag in her hand with, with Mary and then walking towards them, Dev and, and Ardy, I thought, oh, they're twins and this is the first time they've lived apart. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I wonder if Ardy misses her secretly deep down inside. I wonder if they miss each other. There must be some bond there. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure there is. I was like... I was they like, bicker and everything, but... Yeah, I suddenly felt I touched. believe the twin bin and I, bond is strong. Because it was because Ardy was walking so far behind Dev, like a sad little lost boy. I was like, he misses his sister. I wonder how difficult <laughs> I Ardy... don't think he did, but that... You know how you project things somehow sometimes. I wonder how difficult Ardy would find it to, you know, play Dev's long game at the moment and, you know, keep keep his fists... Well, he's, he's not... Um, he doesn't have any responsibility to to be the bigger person here. He's not mm. he's not responsible for Asha's well being in the same way that Dev is. So he he's a bit more free to say what he wants. <laughs> um, well, I've lost where I got to now. Petty Corey. You two are right though. They are being dirty cows, and all I'm thinking is how long till one of them becomes pregnant. I also laughed at Dev <laughs> calling the crisps luxury crisps. I've never heard them called that before. What would we call them? We Fancy crisps. We just call them kettle chips, wouldn't we? Probably kettle chips. Where are you from? Well, that's the brand name. I think that's what I would call them. We don't just get those Posh ones. crisps. I don't know. Yeah, luxury crisps. No. See, uh, the thing is, what? I like those those posh crisps. I think we just call them posh crisps. Crisps in a big bag. Posh Sharing crisps. crisps. Luxury crisps, I don't think. Posh crisps, yeah. Maybe we don't call them it, but do we just call them crisps? And if we're saying hey, that they're balsamic <laughs> vinegar and crushed sea salt or something. Down then south, they're, they're we just call them luxury. crisps. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'll say, I love those crisps, but my one of my favourite ones are those bags of like the, the cheap, cheapy, cheap, cheapest cheap you can get. Of ready salted in the like anonymous white bags with like crisps, like writ- handwritten by some kind of, I don't know, prisoner of war or something, where they're like really Is that greasy what they would get up to in Weatherfield salty. prisons? And, and like crushed up yeah. is my, I love those too okay. that's what they do in yeah in Weatherfield in Highfield prison <laughs> right crisps on bags again what are these for um, I also laughed at Dev calling the Chris oh we read that over. character of the week Rebecca says is Nina but easily could have been Fizz Ardy, Seb, Sharon or Rita and yeah. I give it four selfies of Nina in the mosh pit out of five thank you very much I Rebecca I don't think she was ever in the mosh pit <laughs> finally Nancy Gemma over to you 
As the Tyrone and Fizz storyline continues, I am reminded of some friends of mine who split up about 16 years ago. Their relationship just suddenly ended. It was hard to take sides because I felt for both of them. Tyrone needs to step up and do the right thing for the sake of the girls. Alina enticed Tyrone with a first kiss. Tyrone needs to speak with Fizz properly. Yeah, definitely the bit about finding it hard to take sides is true. I mean... I'm not finding it difficult. <laughs> if you are a friend of them. The thing is, Abby and Fizz were never friends particularly, were they? So I would have thought that she would... The thing is, Michael, she'd can maybe I just naturally say... She would go with Ty- Tyrone, but I think she must know that Tyrone is, is in the role. Yeah, there's a difference between taking sides and, and, not, and not taking sides, but still knowing that one party has done something that the other party is didn't do. Yeah. Like, I think they're just not bringing it up because it's awkward and it's they kind of think it's none of their business. Mm. And that's fair enough. Some people are, you know, it isn't... There's some people are, are more involved in their friends' lives than other people are. Yes. Um, Nancy says, I'm thrilled to have Sharon back on the street. I love seeing Jenny confronting her. Sharon is up to no good and Jenny should not like her, let her guard down. I loved Rita, Jenny, Gemma and Sharon being together. I think if it's if it's going to be Jenny and Daisy versus Sharon, then um, I know I'd, who I'd put my money on. I don't. Jenny and Daisy. I think okay. two against one. They... All right. Yeah, but Sharon fights dirty and they don't know how dirty she can get that dirty cow. Daisy <laughs> is going to fight dirty, isn't she? I, I, think, I think Daisy thinks like the height of... The, the worst thing someone can do is like leave an anonymous bitchy comment on your Instagram. <laughs> I think although she's quite vindictive, I think that she's a bit innocent in, in terms of real world and, you know, people cutting each other's fingers off for drug deals. I don't think she's quite that level. Yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, Nancy says, I love Seb and, and Nina. The Roy and Nina scenes were wonderful. I hope Seb and Nina make up. Abby was wonderful in the scenes with Nina and Seb. I loved it when Ardy punched Corey. I give this week's episodes four out of five. Karai Interventions. Character of the week is Nina. Thank you for another wonderful podcast. You're very welcome. Thank you, everyone, for your feedback. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you. I can't remember. Richard, Sean. Yeah. Thank you. And maybe more. (laughs) Yes, that's it. That's it. We're done. Um... I don't, I don't I have anything else to say this. Well, I'm, I'm a bit knackered, a bit tired. I want to have a little play on my game before I go to bed again. I feel shell shocked is the right word. Today. Yeah. Although nothing's happened. We need to have a bit of a line. Well, you you can have a line. I'll get a gap early oh, to do the no. podcast again. Um, but yeah, we as I said at the, at the beginning of the show, three-day weekend, isn't it lovely? I honestly feel like this episode, I've been an absolute idiot. No, you've been fine. You've been great, as always. I don't know what's going on with me. I'm being... I don't know. I feel really weird. This is a strange day today. Nothing bad has happened. I just feel very... You feel a bit zoned out today. I do, yeah. That's you? a really good yeah, word. Yeah, I do as well. Um, two words. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for bearing with us. Hopefully I'm... next week we'll have more energy. Well, I hope so because, I mean, Coronation Street publicity machine has been ramping up for next week's Coronation Spoilers, Street. Spoilers, I don't want to hear about it. I'm not going to say anything more. Well, you don't need to. I'm, I mean, all I'm saying is, yeah, hopefully there's going to be some exciting it. stuff to talk about next yes. week. I hope but so. But don't look into it if you don't like spoilers because um, you You're don't have to go very world. long until you find something. So next week we'll talk about the exciting week that we've watched in Coronation Street. Oh, and so. we'll be so happy and energetic. Well, before, before, like, when was it? Three weeks ago or two weeks ago, I said, oh, I think that's, I know something's going to happen next week. And that was just referring to Sharon coming back. I was like, oh, I hope it's going to be good. I hope it's going to be good. And Sharon so, is fantastic. And um, I'm, I'm, yeah, really, really thrilled with how it's turned out. So Coronation I hope that Street. this is going to be um, promising as well. 
has such a great cast. We're so lucky and, and um, ungrateful. <laughs> I feel like I am. No, I don't. They're, they're wonderful. And also all the other people that work behind the scenes. I don't know. Why am I giving my Oscars acceptance speech for doing a Coronation Street podcast? don't know. Thank you to everyone who's worked behind the scenes to make a show that I can talk about for two hours. Of two? Plus. <laughs> right, we're going. I'm going. We're tired. Gemma's waffling again. I'm going to have to stop How it there, otherwise you? this podcast going to go on for another half an hour. Never. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for listening. <laughs> and see you next week. Bye. The music of this episode came from podcastteams.com. Oh, oh, oh.